0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 11 of the American Craftsman Podcast. Uh, you'll notice we have a, an empty seat at the table today. Uh, Rich had his foot surgery on Monday, so he'll be uh, be sitting this week out. Got our buddy Manny here. That's right. Manny <laughs> is a cabinet, cabinet finisher, a custom fabricator. Yeah, metal work. I'll use that word.
1: Use that word. Which custom. <laughs> custom. <laughs> custom fabricator. <laughs> custom. You
2: got to be careful a with that real, one.
0: Yeah, a real custom fabricator. Yeah. Um, could, could I say diesel tech? No. Not, wow. No. Well, not at all. Do you work on diesels?
2: No, I help out with that stuff, but yeah. that's like far and few between. Well,
1: okay. Just He's hang know. out in a lot of shops and do a <laughs> lot of weird he things. He is our go-to guy for all mechanical issues, though. Most of the time. Yeah, yeah.
0: highly mechanically inclined. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah very humble about everything that he can do. I'll I'll put that in there. Yeah. Try try to be.
0: You have to be. You're one I'll of try. those guys who who uh downplays, you know, you'll say, "Oh yeah, man, he's great at uh working on diesels." And here you are downplaying the uh <laughs> Well, no, diesels
2: for 100%. <laughs> Just until recently that that started coming into play uh you know, hanging out at all the shops that I hang out with. You come across a lot of people yeah so just recently i i met some people that uh you know one owns a performance diesel shop and then you know the the one shop that i'm always at the one i got to go to after this is uh you know they just work on diesel trucks mm-hmm. just you know like the lift kits the tires stuff like that and do odds and ends but yeah. that's something new to me it's mostly normal gas engine stuff and other things mechanical like that yeah, you, so, got,
0: you got your hand in a lot of pots. Too many.
2: <laughs> What's that saying? Like the jack of all trades and master of none.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, but better than a master of one. That, exactly.
1: We should we should touch on how we all met. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Take it away. Well, yeah. Just like uh, Jeff and Rich and myself, we met Manny at the same shop. It is, yeah. and uh, it's you know the Tom the character shop. yeah it was his shop and uh so we ran into Manny there and we all instantly took a liking to him we will we'll learn now what Manny thought of us when he first met us it's all the characters so, yeah so uh that's a cabinet shop down in Long Branch and we all uh did our time there so tell us a little bit about how you got started Manny and how you you know found your way to the cabinet shop and what you did before that and what you're doing now yeah um
2: it woodworking because you always ask that question like
1: you know how'd you become a woodworker well Mm -hmm.
2: I work with wood not necessarily a woodworker yet but (laughs) uh it started off as me just being a bike mechanic you know my father was you know a bicycle mechanic for pretty much the entire time when he came to America. So like 30 years or so. Yeah. Where'd he come from? Portugal. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, he had like a few odds and end jobs and then kind of just took that as a job and stuck with it. And then, uh, he got into, we'll say the cabinet business, but not really doing anything too much. You know, he just worked in the cabinet shop, being the helper, doing assembly, doing this, doing that. Never really, picked up on too much stuff never really picked up on woodworking. So woodworking was never really a thought in my mind, you know, never really even as a kid,
1: mm-hmm. never never did anything like that. Well, what was your first interest in in sort of doing stuff with your hands? Um when I didn't have money to
2: pay other people to fix my problems <laughs> and stuff like that, it was it was uh
1: you know, don't have the money to do it, so Got to get it done one way or another, right? So is that how you got into like mechanics and everything like that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, As much as my dad was into that stuff, he he never really taught me much. Mm -hmm. He was very that like that straight shooter kind of guy. Like, just you're gonna do it this one way, and that's it, and. If you don't do it my way, it's the wrong way. So <laughs> I try not... It sounds familiar. Yeah. So you fit in at the cabinet shop. Though. No, no. That's exactly, <laughs> that's my biggest problem why I don't. Um, so yeah, I mean, growing up with that was pretty rough. You know, never really got to experience much or do much. And then uh, dealing with like high anxiety, as you know, we've talked about yeah, in the past. Yeah. You know, really limits your abilities. And then, uh, I don't know, it was probably about... When I was 19, nineteen, twenty was got my first, you say, real job. Yeah, and uh, it was just a real retail job at a an outdoor place. That's right. Well, the is E something. Uh, Eastern Mountain Sports. That's right. That's so right. probably a lot of the listeners mm-hmm. on here have been there before. But uh, yeah. So started there as just like a normal retail person, and you know, it was funny. It was never camped in my life. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh. It was kind of a learning curve, you know, it was a job. Yeah. I was like, all right, well now I'm actually like making money and doing something, not being a bum and you know, whatever the case may be. Let me
1: interject because this is again a perfect example, right, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Where your your humility is huge. It's way outstrips your talents. <laughs> City boy, never camped, and then you're probably one of the, the brightest, quickest at all of Eastern Mountain sports in short order.
2: Well, for me it was it's either I'm going to amount to nothing or I'm going to do what I can to yeah. amount to something. So when you don't have a lot and when you want to accomplish a lot, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and growing up in the situations that I've had to grow up in, it was like, I don't want to be this way. Yes. But I'm yeah. not this person. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to rely on other people. You know, when you need to, you need to, but yeah, you know, if you want to advance, you got to advance. So That's that was right. my... You yeah, got to drive, sink or, s- sink or swim, you know? but you yeah. got the
1: aptitude.
2: Yeah. Not so that, that was my does. thing, you know? So it was like, yeah, never camped in my life. And <laughs> here I am working at a camping <laughs> store now, you know? <laughs> so it was a lot to, to take in. Cause it wasn't, you know, Eastern mountain sports. wasn't a, uh, like a low end retailer. No, they used yeah, to, to make nice. top
1: end stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like one of the other bigger competitors at the time, I think was like REI, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, which is like, if you're an athlete or, a mountaineer or pro cyclist this and that like it's, it's a place you go to you're yeah. not going to like Dick Sporting Goods right. or Sports, Sports Authority adult. at the time yeah, yeah. so the That's people coming cool. in there really or uh, a handful at first you know <laughs> to take in you know f- kind of feel a certain type of way when someone's coming at you with questions about oh you know like I'm gonna go hike the Appalachian Trail and <laughs> I need to shave a few grams off of my clothing and this and that I'm like what the hell are you talking about but like
1: this is all news to me yeah those are the people that cut off the handles of their toothbrush, you know. To yeah. Save. save weight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't even bring a toothbrush. You got the finger. So, yeah,
2: yeah, there was it was it was a lot to take in. So EMS had a bike department, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, my buddy was like the manager there. So that's kind of like how I got the job, too. Um, you know, they had an opening. You know, he always looked out for me. So he was like, you know, come try it out. The worst case is going to happen is you don't make it. You don't make it. So there was the bike tech there. Then he left. And then my other buddy came in, took over the bike tech position. That's what they call him there, the bike tech. So they they took him in and he was there for about a year or so, about the same amount of time as me. And then he left and they were like, all right, you know, you're the only other one here that cycles and understands this stuff. And, you know, you got to take over. So that's kind of where that all started. And, you know, I was there for four years or so was running the, the bike shop there for about three years. Did you do a lot of hands-on work on the bikes? Yeah. So it was like, you know, you get the new bikes in. So it was like obviously a retail environment. So mm-hmm. setting up the floor for, you know, the helmets, clothing, tools, doing this, doing that. Um, you know, the new bikes would come in, set them up, take people on test rides, someone buys a bike, tune it up, put all the accessories on it. But then it was also a repair shop. Yeah. Um, which is where I was more inclined at. It was like, you know... Fixing yeah, that's, crappy bikes. That's how or, I
1: know you, though. Really looking at a problem, being able to diagnose it. Yeah. And come up with some kind of solution.
2: Yeah. So it was weird because it was like the shop there took a lot of like ups and downs. You know, the, the guy that was there before me was like almost a pro cyclist. And then, you know, he kind of just kept to one thing. Didn't really want to reach out. Wanted to, didn't want to do the things that he needed to do. So when he left, my buddy came in and then... That turned kind of into like a shit show.
1: <laughs> so
2: <laughs> things uh things started no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys met my buddy. So that, that, <laughs> that turned into a shit show. And then uh so then I came in and it was like a lot of like pressure on me because yeah. it was like, you know, it's like I said, it's like my first real job. I was a late bloomer with stuff. Yeah. You know, I was just doing like little side jobs, doing this, doing that, never being like, you know a retail worker and and having a nine
0: to five kind of guy. Yeah.
2: Never having like a real responsibility, especially with other people's stuff and people coming to look at you. So I had a lot of pressure on me to like do what I had to do to bring it up. And a lot of people were shocked because it's like for our store, which was like, I can't remember the numbers, but let's say there was 40 bike shops, you know, we're always like 40th for sales for this, for that. And then Pretty much up until my departure it was like i was competing with like soho and annapolis
3: yeah.
2: you know bringing numbers up doing this doing that people were reaching out to me from other shops so like it felt good to to be a nobody yeah. to becoming
1: somebody and then um well let me let me cut you off there. yeah because without rich here we we've we've kind of lost uh, our yeah, way
0: I've, I've been thinking that and um, oh, he's we're going to get uh, back to you. Yeah. But
1: <laughs> the more
2: important subject. right? Yeah, now. <laughs> we
1: got to We got to introduce the beer of the week. Yeah. So we can, you know, because I, I could feel my throat getting a little scratchy. I'm
0: reaching for a phantom beer over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, and while, while Rob's grabbing the beer of the week, uh, we got to mention uh, it's still Movember. So you can see our facial hair uh, <laughs> is it's coming back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, please, if you can uh, donate. There goes my ring doorbell. Let me put that on mute. Uh, donate. It's uh, Movember.com slash m slash green street. S T G R E E N E S T. Uh, we're about 400 and uh, $395 away from our goal. Yeah. <laughs> I got to make All my right.
2: donation today.
1: <laughs> it's for good cause, men's health issues. Yeah. Which we need. Yeah. So yeah. we got a uh, Voodoo Ranger, Imperial IPA, and. Uh, True to form, I picked this out because of the cool label. Yeah, it's a pretty... Uh, <laughs> uh, <natural stuff>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, we're cheating on Keith's uh, bottle opener this yeah. week.
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot about what that. This? Yeah,
0: well, I, I heard about it, but I didn't get to see it. Atlantis Rail.
1: What is this from? I think we got that at
2: KPIA. KPIS. Uh, what's it with the IPAs and the
0: fancy bottles? I don't
1: know. Here's uh This is a... Keith, two bit. Oh my God! Yeah, he, he and, gave uh, it to Keith.
0: Us. Keith actually, I believe, had surgery today or yesterday yeah, on his shoulder. Sh- so yeah. Keith and Rich both uh, get well. W- wishing, Keith. You, wishing you well. Yeah. Yes.
2: Take care, Keith. Feel better.
1: All right. With the official toast. Yes. it's I've nice and him. cold, isn't
2: it? I haven't had a beer in a while. <sighs> So how do, like, how do you test for beers? Is it like wine? Do you have to like <laughs> spin the bottle? Hey, If you want. All right. I probably should note that I'm not a drinker. So I have a few beers a few times a year and that's about it.
0: Yeah. I have one a week. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, much. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm a social drinker. I don't really drink at home, uh, but I'll have my beer here and then, you know, occasionally I'll have, I, I love beer, but I just now at 31, it. Affects me completely differently than it did when I was, you know. I'm already drunk or, off that first two yeah. sets. <laughs> I mean, if I have two, I'm I'm yeah, feeling yeah. it. So,
1: so all right. So we got our voodoo ranger in hand, and uh, we're gonna get back to Manny. You know, you left off where in just a short amount of time you'd you'd picked up the whole bike trade and yeah, um, dispensing information to others, and again that plays into how. I know you yeah. from our time together down at the shop where you sort of came in as, you know, uh, I was just hired helper. help. That's you it. Know, like <laughs> give, give Manny a broom, ask him to hold something up. And the next thing I turned around and you're running the whole finish department. Yeah, I don't know there. how that happened. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 I mean, it happened fast
2: too fast and you were doing <laughs> it well. Yeah. why well, I regret now, but, um, Yeah, no. So, you know, I left the bike shop. Um, I had my son. So it was kind of like I was still working at the bike shop. You know, my son was being born and it was like, you know, someone came up to me with an opportunity to, you know, make more money and experience something new in life. So it was doing carpet. Which
1: <laughs> if any, if any hey, anyone
2: listening has ever done carpet, you you know where this story's
1: gonna go. You did put the rug down in our uh, confessionals. Yeah. 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 And I haven't got a call to restretch them, so I guess it's uh no.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they became much use. Yeah. But... <laughs> um
1: shout out to Saint
0: Anthony of Padawan, yeah. right back, in New Jersey. Enjoy your carpet, guys. I'm waiting for the pandemic to end so we can uh, do some more work with you guys.
2: You guys gotta have me come in and do some carpet mm-hmm. in here. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be working bare feet (laughs) oh god um yeah so he was you know i got the opportunity to to do that so it was like um last minute i was like you know what i'm gonna take my uh maternity leave not maternity leave but whatever they call it yeah paternity leave and pursued you know experiencing the world of doing carpet Mm -hmm. working in people's homes and stuff like that so i did that for four years Learned a lot, got hurt a lot, and uh, that's some tough work. Yeah. Oh, I that that job was it's unbelievable. And the worst part about it was, is like you never knew what you were walking into (laughs) because the guy I worked for was subcontracted by another company who had accounts for uh, Lowe's. Okay. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. So, yeah, we I was a subcontractor for Lowe's technically. Um, and, you know, like in your one episode you guys talk about, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. No. They just want to make a sale. They just yeah. sell it. So, you know, all we get in the morning, half the time, is like a piece of paper, like, you know, pick up this padding, pick up this carpet. Sometimes it'd be at the shop. Sometimes we have to go pick it up from one of the stores, and we worked all over New Jersey. You know, it was based right out of here in Keyport, the shop. And mm. sometimes we'd be going to South Jersey. We'd be going North Jersey. We'd be going to Staten Island. You know, wherever the work was, we went to it. Yeah. But they would just... They would just sell anything.
0: <laughs> and yeah, I mean, uh, Rob and I were talking today about that—that that feeling of of uncertainty, you mm-hmm. know, with your day where uh, you know, I'm, I'm reconfiguring some tools and stuff for my truck. I'm still set up from working at Tom's shop, where every morning I might not know where I'm heading. Yeah, I, I might get a call at seven forty-five and says, you know, he'll say, "Oh yeah, you're going over to this new job." Yeah. So there's always this feeling of uncertainty and unease, unease because you don't know f- and that was every what to day expect. that yeah. was
2: every single day because you know it's it it was rare that we were in a house for more than a day mm-hmm. and like it was just me and my boss and i was completely green and and i this is the biggest I've ever been. So I think I started at like 120 pounds, maybe, uh, and nine times out of ten, the carpet and the padding were double my weight. Yeah. So I was like, it was an eye opener. So the first job we did, it was, it started at eight in the morning, got home at ten o'clock at night, and I was like, am I gonna make it through this, or, or do I just throw in the towel now? And I was like, I had to look back at at. You know, my growing up, I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to give up. There you go. So stuck with it and for four years got my ass kicked, you know, yeah. learned, learned a lot about that. But in that time period too, it was like also learning other things. So, yeah. you know, we would pick up jobs doing other things. Like we would do small, you know, like little kitchen things here and there, you know, cause he wanted to branch out. He wanted to get out of carpet because it's like, it's such a hard business to be in and it's so, so rough on the body. Yeah. Like. All the guys I knew who were doing it for 20, 30 years, I mean,
0: rough shape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't want to be that. You yeah, were yeah. looking
1: into the future.
0: I don't want to be that. Say, the knees you know? are uh, yeah. a fragile, yeah. fragile area. Actually,
2: the, knee, the knee, like working on my knees all day and doing the kicking stuff was like the most pleasurable part, as weird as that sounds. Like my knees didn't bother me. It was the back. Oh, having to carry these those giant rolls, rolls of, yeah. of padding upstairs yeah, yeah. or into these tight hallways or just the carpet rolls i mean sometimes the way they you know going back to like the, the salesman not knowing what they're selling they would sell these giant shots of of carpet where like it should have been cut up into different things and sections and seamed but no now we're walking up two or three flights of stairs with a you know, a 12 by 30 foot of thick plush carpet that weighs five, 600 pounds. And here's a, you know, a pretty athletic guy. And then you have a 125 pound <laughs> kid with no shoulder trying to shimmy this thing upstairs and everything else. So, um, the homeowner's crying because it scraped the wall. Oh yeah. yeah. Was, the
1: back of carpet will,
2: you know, it's like yeah. a
1: rasp.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just
2: think about like the side of your neck, yeah. your ears, mm-hmm. your shoulder. It was just like, war zone every day <laughs> it's funny too you say that about like so there was one time we were out in uh what was it like monroe or something and you guys know how the house is out right there, over there mm-hmm. so you know this is like probably my second month in at this point and uh you know we get the carpet we pick it up and it's a huge roll huge and we're like all right we get to cut it up we didn't even look at the paperwork we just picked it up from the store went to the house we look at the the tag and I'll I'll never forget it. Like seven hundred and forty-seven pounds <laughs> was just just a roll of carpet. And I we're like, all right, cool, we get to cut it up at least. So we go inside to check the house out first. You know, it's like one of those McMansions. Yeah. So yeah. it's a long walk up to it. And then of course it was second floor, you know, a tight ninety-degree staircase, really nice wood banister, this and that. So we go upstairs, we look at it, and um, you know, my the, the, my boss at the time was like, you know, talking to the customer, like, oh, you know, we're going to put seams here and do this and do that. And she looked at us like, what, what the hell are you talking about? There's, you're not putting seams. It's one piece. And we're like, like, we looked at each other like, what, <laughs> what? Someone came here to measure and had to have known that, like, what we had, we're about to go through. And sure enough, we had to muscle this thing into the house. It took probably an hour just to get it from the van to the beginning staircase inside the house just you know a hot summer day you know i'm bear hugging the one side of it you know we had the worst part about it was we had to unroll it to loosen up because you have to bend it yeah so to bend it and then have to bear hug this thing me and him so about an hour just to get it to the staircase and then kind of like caught our breath And then looked at the staircase like, fuck, like we're going to ruin the staircase right now. (laughs) Like I'm going to die. And he was just like, you got to like, he was so stern and like, you know, where he grew up, you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't from America originally. So, you know, he had to fend for himself, you know, how to walk to school, how to do this, do do that, you know, like, I, I think he was like military trained over in Honduras too. So it was like for me versus him, it's like, you know, he just looked at me, he's like, just suck it up, dude. Just suck it up. No, we're like, just going to do right. it. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, like, we get up the first, like, five steps, and you got to make that 90, and he's leading the way, and I'm behind, and I got the weight on me. And sure enough, we started to make that turn, and it just fucking pinned me up against the wall. I'm grabbing onto the banister. You can hear it cracking and stuff, because I've probably got three or 400 pounds on me that I'm trying to not have come down on and crush me. Uh so, yeah, there was a lot of good times. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of pain
1: involved. Those are but, some lessons learned, right? Oh, I, yeah, and 100%. you bring it forward to every new job and new experience. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, you did, I mean, as basic as it was, you did learn a lot. You know, a lot of custom staircase stuff, a lot of interacting with customers mm-hmm. and traveling. So for me, it was nice because I was yeah. always stuck in a shop. So it was nice to be in the van every day and traveling to a new place and seeing something new.
1: Well, see, that's what it's all about attitude. Yeah. You know, some people could say, Oh, I got this job, and all I do is hump carpet around and roll it out. Yeah. But you're going with the right attitude. And it's look at all these things you're learning how to deal with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that we do every day.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, you know, you spent uh, a good amount of time, you know, I was the installer. I worked in the shop when there was no installs going on, but I was the, you know, the cabinet installer at the shop. Uh, And you worked with me on on a bunch of installs, and I think definitely one of your strong suits is dealing with clients. Yeah, yeah. Um, It takes a certain kind of person to to know how to deal with people.
2: Yeah, I'm you know for the most part I'm a people person. I'd say you know as much as anyone else can be, but yeah, yeah, I mean it's all about just learning them, you know whether they like you or not, and obviously my appearance will definitely raise a few red flags here and there, but I think that also helps out with, with meeting people and, and yeah. making conversations and, and kind of breaking the ice. But, um,
1: yeah, we all know a little bit about having an offbeat appearance at times. Like, I'm sure. What'd you say when the first time you saw me come into the show? Oh, yeah. So I, I, so I, this was before you started yeah, yeah. and I've,
2: I heard about you, but I, I never met you yet. So, um, but, but but to get before that, so yeah, yeah okay. so I was doing the carpet and then I was like, you know what? It was like the on-off season yeah. and, uh, you know, a lot of personal life stuff was going on. And I'm like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. we have work today. We don't have work today kind of thing. So, um, you know, my father had been with, with them for forever. Oh, yeah. Forever. Yeah. We
1: know your dad too. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. I mean, I, I knew, I knew the boss, I knew everybody. Well, I mean, I knew the, you know, the one person and then obviously my father for forever. So, you know, I, I called him one day. I was like, Hey, do like do you have just any kind of work for me? Like, I just need a couple of days here and there, whatever, clean up, mm-hmm. you know, do the edge banding stuff, whatever. So was like, yeah, just come in. Let's, let's see what happens. So that's the that first day there was literally just cleaning up. And then, and then, uh, you know, Tom was like, you know, we got to get this vacuum thing set up for the dust collector. And I was like, all right, well, never had to do this before. Never had to do anything kind of structural with, you know, like the same framework or this or that. And never really did anything housework-wise like that. So it's like, you're now, really throwing the ball at me at this one. Is this when the current shop is being set up? No, no, no. This was like this is years into the shop being there. Okay. Okay. It was just a matter of like uh, you know, a little rinky dink vacuum working stuff, and it's like You've had this dust collector forever sitting there and not hooked up. It's Reeky like Dink
0: at times. <laughs> who was there? Brandon? Was Brandon there?
2: No, when I no who the hell was there when I came in. I don't even remember. I don't even remember who was there. I just know, you know, just uh it was Tom Lou, my dad. Rich was there. Oh, okay. So so I so I met Rich first. Yeah. And then uh I can't really remember. I think that was I think that was it. Yeah. It, obviously like he had people come and go.
1: Right. That's kind of the story there. Yeah.
2: So I went in for the first day, just did the cleanup stuff and then started working on hooking up this dust collector. And, you know, I was like, all right, well, I don't know when I'll be back. And then the next day, you know, uh, that night, my, you know, the carpet guy calls me and he's like, don't have any work. So I was like, all right, call the cabinet shop again. Hey, can I come back in? That's kind of how it happened. So I was kind of back and forth doing that. Um, and then I kind of just stuck with it because yeah. I, I kind of got tired of, A, killing myself every day. And it was like, again, like, here's a new
1: opportunity, you know? Yeah. That's one of the things I remember most about meeting you and working with you is your real uh, hunger and enthusiasm to learn new stuff. Yeah, I like I like being challenged.
2: Yeah. So when I was doing carpet, too, so, so before Tom's, I was actually doing plumbing. I was doing, you know, half a week of carpet and then doing half a week of plumbing uh and that went on for a few months until i got tired of dealing with not getting paid on time (laughs) and you know doing an a effort and getting treated like a b person you know so i was like
0: yeah it's very common unfortunately
2: yeah especially especially for you know that kind of environment you know like uh who was that wild willie was talking about the guy he used to work for yeah, just like okay. a big rough and tough mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's kind of who i was working for and he just had that big money mentality and just for the most part didn't really treat the workers the right way
0: yeah they see everyone as replaceable yeah that's it
2: yeah and i and i you know i had plenty of conversations with him i was like listen guy like i'm coming to you to help you out and i'm putting in an effort i'm I'll I showed up with my own tools, I showed up with my own car. You don't need to pick me up. You don't need to do anything. Just tell me what to do and I'm going to learn it and and go from there. So it's like for me having to go from six, seven days a week of doing carpet to me wanting to kind of break it up and start the branch out. I was like, I'm giving you these, this many days to plumb with you guys, you know, just, just pay me on time. Mm-hmm. So, I got tired of that. <laughs> not too much to ask, yeah, no, seriously. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're you're doing your job, you're not costing I can understand if I was costing him money, yeah. but when you're making tons of money and you're showing us tons of money and yeah plumbers, showing, uh,
0: yeah, you know they get paid well
2: uh, super well, you know, uh, what they're saying is always like what you got to? everyone's gotta uh, shit shower and shave, yeah, you yeah. know they're always gonna have work no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of are you gonna do the work <laughs> so. I enjoyed that a lot, though. I, I I enjoyed the whole mechanical side of it, you know, finally really working with my hands and, and figuring out the layouts of stuff. And then we we roughed our first house. And that was like an eye opener to me. Like, I got to get the fuck out of carpet and do something because like <laughs> this is something like I'm enjoying. And then uh, that's. So after I, I, you know, I said, like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep coming to work and calling you every day. Hey, am I going to get paid? Am I going to get paid? That's when I reached out to to the shop and was like, hey, like, you got anything for me? Yeah. So, yeah, then it just trickled down to I was doing half days of carpet. Well, you know, full days of carpet, but for a couple of days a week and then working at the cabin shop. And then it was like, I looked at my boss one day. I was like, you know, I, I think our, our time has come for this right now yeah you know I need to pursue something else, I need some stability mm-hmm. and uh you know at the time, too you know being separated from you know my son's mother, it was like I had to do what was also necessary to that's right. not put myself in a worse situation than I was already in, so I was close to home, it's right in between where we live, so that's kind of kind of how that all started, yeah, but uh yeah, then that's how i I heard about you. And uh, <laughs> I was I was told that once I meet you, I'm gonna end up liking you a lot, and we're gonna click really good because you're just this off the wall kind of guy. And then I remember it was like a winter day, and you know how cold that shop is. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, you walk in with your your overalls on, your your bib on, and your crazy hair, and I'm like, this is the, this is the fucking guy I've been hearing about. Here's he comes in looking like Einstein, and I was like. Having yeah, that right. laugh, you've uh, you've had a haircut now for yeah for, a long time yeah for yeah cut
0: his hair yeah it's yeah. the
2: first time I've seen you with facial hair too.
1: yeah yeah I never had facial hair yeah you know the salt patch doesn't really count i had that for about <laughs> you, you did something. have that you did yeah, have for that for about
2: 30 years so that made that whole appearance of oh, i've been hearing so much about this guy rob and then here's this fucking guy rob like this is
0: uh this is the guy so well it's funny because when i started rob rob was uh i was back here yeah and i i remember saying yeah i remember i met this because we met on that install yeah when i was i was the finished carpenter for the builder or whatever. Yeah. Um, I said, yeah, there was this guy with the crazy hair, the glasses, <laughs> <laughs> the laugh.
2: That's that was yeah. what got me was a laugh. <laughs> it's like this addictive laugh. Like it just spreads. Uh, I always think about that. Oh, man. But yeah, so that was a that was a good time. We're finally meeting you. And then, yeah. you know, you came in and we saying like you were still working on your own thing at that point. Yeah. So yeah. You had only stopped in a handful of times yeah uh, we did bond though right away yeah because you were so fascinated by my ears i remember that (laughs) i'm
1: one of those guys like i'll just say stuff yeah i'm the guy that'll say so what's the deal with those ear hoops yeah tell me about them yeah only it's it's there is genuine interest you know i'm like and i was warned about about it but i was like also like
2: i was waiting for it you know like <laughs> you said oh he's gonna say something oh yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah, it was always it was always good things so for I the was...
0: people who are just listening manny has uh what you would call sh- stretched ears i guess or ga- gauged ears well yeah you gauge your ears yeah. or, right? yeah, i'm
2: gonna catch some shit for it. but yeah whatever you want to call bs yes, my ears are are stretched They're two inches
1: the the hoops now, yeah. right
2: Yep. yeah yep two inch two inch ears two inch holes in my ears yeah, whatever, want, <laughs> whatever the hell you want to call it
1: yeah because i remember that i i would check it out and like you'd come in you go oh you got new hoops in yeah like, yeah because i remember cause you, yeah you weren't you weren't
2: there you you were just stopping in before yeah. you came back full time so each time you saw me my ears got
1: yeah, bigger and bigger yeah. so you're like what the hell <laughs> yeah yeah well you know it's yeah I, it's i'm interested in all this stuff you know not as a to have it done to myself just like what makes people tick you know yeah. i like that yeah i don't
2: i don't know i was i, I think i told you the story but it was yeah. like I was literally just hanging out in my room one day and and my friend comes over and she's like heavily modified tattoos and crazy yeah. piercings and this and that and i've always had my lips pierced mm-hmm. she was like let's 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 gauge your ears finally and i'm like no like i don't i've never had my ears pierced i didn't want it pierced And she's like just just do it you know stop being a you know about it i was like All right, fuck it, whatever. So she had a a brand new needle in the car because she was dating a piercer at the time and came back in the room and punched my, well, it was punching my ears because it's not a normal needle. So it was a 10 gauge hollow needle. So punched the ears. And I was like, all right. And I didn't think it was going to go this far,
1: you know, (laughs) (laughs) and here we are (laughs) for those who are actually viewing. Yeah. yeah. Once you hit a
2: certain point, there's really no, there's no going going back. back. No, I mean, even at that point, there was was no going back because yeah. Yeah. it was an actual hole at that point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had my ears stretched to I think uh, five sixteenths or three eighths, and I still have holes. You know. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. Even the normal earring holes don't close up. I haven't worn earrings for twenty years. Had four holes. They're still there. Yeah. You know what's funny too is like elderly women. You know how they always wear like really yeah, yeah. like. Heavy
2: earrings. Yeah, they have stretched ears, and they're like, yeah. I will catch shit for them all the time. I'm like, oh, why would you do that? I'm like, do you do do you see yeah. your ears? You <laughs> just like, have a regular earring in a stretched out hole. Yeah, you just pop one of these things in, and now now you're me. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I never wanted to do it. Like obviously, like being into the music I was in, and yeah. like that that kind of scene. Like everyone was like, oh, at the time, like you gotta have stretched ears. I was like, I just, I got my lips pierced, and I was like, that was kind of it. Like I didn't I didn't think I was gonna go this far with it and i keep telling myself i'm going to stop and then there's other days where it's like like right now these are too small for my ears so it's like yeah
1: i said when you came in that one's almost popping out yeah, yeah. well that
2: well like i said before that's that's the
1: damaged ear so <laughs>
2: i'm trying not to push it too far yeah but if something happens something happens yeah but uh
1: yeah so here we are today yeah i mean yeah as you know fate would have it we all got together mm-hmm. at that shop and became fast friends really yeah yeah cuz uh,
2: i started working with rich originally
1: yeah you know yeah. not knowing anything about
2: cabinetry or installs or this mm-hmm. or that and just being thrown to the wolves like all right you got to work with rich yeah. so work with rich and uh you know learned you know learn from stuff from him you know because when i was there he wasn't there for that much longer afterwards yeah and then that's when you came in and yep you know, we kind of clicked immediately being like kind of the same age and kind of yeah. wanting the same things for ourselves. We're real hungry
0: mm-hmm. for, for knowledge and yeah, and I see the su- similarity Yeah, I'd and say, for success. So uh we're very similar in the fact that when we get to a point where we feel like we're not learning anything anymore, that we kind of want to <laughs> jump ship and, and go somewhere where there's more opportunity to learn. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, either jumping ship or just, finding out what you're doing and what's another way to do it Mm -hmm. you know how do we make it better how do we make it faster yeah yeah. how do we make it more efficient you know if you see someone doing something wrong or or whatever the case may be it's like why you know there's too many of those people out there and i know you when you were doing your trim work you know we probably saw a ton of that and then obviously me being completely new to anything construction wise we'll call it was like i don't want to be that guy he's just getting yelled at all day and getting told what to do and it's never going to succeed. He's just, he's just there. And I was like, I, and again, going back to my dad, I didn't want to be that, you know, I, right. I needed to fend for myself and, and, you know, I think
1: we you know we bonded over that too. Yeah. You know, yeah, especially with your two, upbringing. The two ways you could go. You either yeah. go the way of the the role model parent or yeah. you go the opposite way. Yeah. yeah. And so we bonded over going the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah,
2: cuz you, you know? you've, you've had a hell of an <laughs> upbringing, so. And <laughs> I use
1: that, I use that a lot,
2: you know, thinking like always thinking about throwing in the towel. I'm like, "Well, you know, again, you know, starting off with with my carpet boss and then yeah. talking to you, And then, uh, and then, and then working with you, it's just like, you know, like there's people that look out for you yeah. and there's, there's stuff to be had and stuff to be made and
1: stick through it and work together. And, you know, it's right. I mean, I'm almost double your guys' age and I've, so I've been there. I've been Mm -hmm. in your shoes and even in your shoes too, it's not, not too different. You've been in a lot of people's shoes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. but. Waiting for the book to come out. Through life, there's always that person that they're not your relative, they're not anything, they just happen to step into that point in your life and just nudge you onto the right track somehow. Yeah, and I think back, and then maybe, and when it's happening, you don't always know it's happening. Yeah, but you know, as you as the years pass, you go on, you think back and go, man, that dude probably saved me from making. Five more mistakes yeah Yeah, it's the butterfly effect yeah Yeah. so i always try to be that guy that helped me i think i think what it was
2: was me becoming a parent because you know (laughs) it it wasn't a planned thing no you know and i was not in a position to have a child uh not out of neglect or, or not out of like um you know i i wasn't a partier i wasn't this i wasn't that you know it was just like i'm not in the place i want to be to raise a kid i don't want to yeah. be i don't He's want to young. well yeah but it, it was more along the lines of like i don't want to bring a kid into the world under my circumstances of what i had to grow up with and what other people are growing up with like my eyes were open yeah so it wasn't out of like selfishness about like oh my god i'm not gonna be able to go do this this weekend or this that no it was like i don't want to have to think about like you know what's going to happen with him or you know all these different things. So it was like, you're a good parent. I'll tell you that. I mean, I try to be the best, you you know, for the, for the hands that are dealt right now and, and, and everything that's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's if I don't, I don't know where the hell I would have been if it wasn't for him coming into the world. And you know, a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of followers step away from the situation. That's right. right? And I was like, you know what? That's not going to happen. We're going to do the best. And I think that happening is, uh, was probably the best thing for me because it was, you know, I didn't I don't want to I don't want him to grow up being like how I was. Just Yeah, it's
0: know. it's a all or nothing kind of thing, yeah. you know, with having kids. I yeah, feel Jeff's got a two year old, a little more than two, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, a lot of work. He's two
0: now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll be two and a half in uh two weeks, three yeah, weeks.
1: We've been watching him grow up here. It, it's amazing. Yeah. It really is. It's it's uh it's very heartwarming. I mean, and even I haven't seen Gage nearly as much. But just when he was around here like about a couple of months ago. Yeah, and when I so brought him I, here. I, I couldn't believe how advanced he'd been, you know, from the from the other time. I, I think seen. a lot of that is also due to me not
2: babying him ever. Yeah, yeah. Which I get a <laughs> lot of shit for still to this day. Like, you know, like just raise your kid how you want to raise your kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. talk to him how you want to talk to him. Just because other parents tell you like, oh, you shouldn't talk to him that way or you should do this. you no. Just, yeah. just take take off that that edge right now. Yes, you know I don't I don't butter anything up.
0: Like- yeah, we don't talk to Hunter like he's a baby. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, we don't talk to him like he's a, an adult. But we, yeah. you know, we yeah. talk to him like he's a human yeah. being. And you yeah. know, if he says I want that, okay, get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not here to hand you everything and give you everything when you have you're fully capable. Yeah, it's, you're not doing your kid any favors by giving them things um, or by making it easier. You know what I'm saying. They're yeah, both 100%. very clever beyond their years. Yeah. And I, I think again that
2: comes down to me and you being kind of similar to that that hungriness. It's like there's no need for that kind of stuff, you yeah. know? I do talk to him like an adult though. And it's the funny <laughs> well, he's it's, a little
1: bit older than Hunter. Yeah, well, yeah. he's yeah.
2: six now. So yeah. but it's it's also even when he was like still two and three, like <laughs> yeah. you know, he started talking pretty early on and this and that. Yeah. Like he's sharp. He's too sharp and I, I kind of hate it. Like, we've thrown tons of money at this kid to say a curse word and he won't curse for us. He
0: cracked me up when, uh, I don't know if it was when he was turning five or when he was turning six. Rob, you know, the, we knew his birthday was coming up and Rob said, Oh, uh, when are you going to be five or whatever? And he goes, On my birthday?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: He's a he's a smart ass. He's
2: yeah. he's too much of a smart ass. He this, the stuff that he comes out with, is, uh it's like who the hell are you hanging out with, dude? Yeah. It's like you're only 6. You like watch your mouth. But no, it, it, like it, it's crazy like he's he's sharp in uh, that fact, but like like you know every parent wants to hear their kid curse once. Like yeah. it's got to happen. Yeah, we have,
0: Hunter's got a dirty mouth. I've yeah.
2: had I've had probably 5 or 6 people at one time all hand out like a 50 or 100 bill and we're like listen you can buy any toy you want to. You could buy anything you want to right now. You have 100 you have hundreds of dollars in front of you. Just say damn or say shit. Say something. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. He's like, "No, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it." And he gives me, you know, crap all the time about yeah. cursing in front of him, but I think in the long run it's going to be better for him. Oh, when he yeah. gets older, yeah. he's not going to have those soft edges on him.
0: Well, and it know? shows that he's not going to be just swayed by the what masses, other people want yeah, yeah. yeah
2: he's not gonna be a shithead hopefully no. he's
0: being offered this you know i mean he knows what money is oh yeah and he's saying no i don't want to do it so yeah. you know i'm not gonna do it yeah yeah it's pretty funny
1: even given the age differences between us all that's uh, our shared experience and you can see it in your upbringing is that the 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 harder parts of our our younger years have made us who we are today yeah you know so if you can persevere it it does, uh, you know, come out in dividends, and it, it's a benefit.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's a benefit it. for sure. But I mean, I like I said, I I do catch some shit from some people. Like, uh, you know, you shouldn't say that, or you shouldn't be doing that, or just like the other day, like I sent you the picture. I, I you know I had him welding for the first time. <laughs> you know, he was fine. He's protected. Yeah, I've yeah. got a fire extinguisher right there. I got a bucket of water. Like I, I'm making sure he's okay. But like I you know I sent a picture to his mom, and she's like, oh my god, please be careful. It's like that's what i'm talking about like we are careful everything's fine like if it gets a little hurt it's fine exactly you know but at least he's experiencing it right and for me like that felt amazing just to see the welding gloves on him, see the welding mask on him, and just you know easing the torch into the you know to the piece of exhaust pipe just to just to touch it and then freak out like that's enough (laughs) like i'm okay with that like you're learning it you're experiencing it and like Let's see if we can keep going with it. That's awesome. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. Like Hunter and I were cooking uh, this past weekend and you know, he burned his hand on the pot. What was he cooking? Uh, what the hell were we making? Soup, I think. Okay. And um, you know, obviously I don't want to see my son burn his hand. Yeah. But that was a lesson. <laughs> now right. he knows. And he knew the pot was hot because you know, we taught well, him that.
2: Knows how hot.
1: Right.
0: Now he knows, okay, if I touch the pot, this is going to happen. So mm-hmm. You know, as sad as, it, sad as it is that he burnt his hand, well, now he knows yeah. this is what it feels like when you touch a hot. I'm sure pot. you didn't look at him and go like, "Ha ha, you burned your hand." No, no yeah, no. But you, but you can't dwell on these things. Like, oh man, yeah. I'm a bad parent for yeah. No, it's, you know, it's letting it's my not. kid burn his hand.
2: You know, I try to, I try to, and I, I, I maybe it's a bad thing, but I try to put him in in situations that I wish I would have been put in as a kid. Cause you growing up with severe crippling anxiety <laughs> and, and like just everything I'm like, I don't want him to grow up this way. I don't want him to grow up this way, yeah. you know? Cause those things will haunt you for a long time. Oh my God. I mean, sometimes it feels like it never goes away. Yeah. No, I remember, <laughs> I you know, this is back when I was just like, I think I was like 14 or 15 and I was working in a bike shop, just like part-time help. And, uh, I was just, you know, like you get the sticker sheet of all the price labels and the SKU numbers that put on stuff. And I remember I was like, just peeling them off. And then one of them ripped, and I was like, "Holy
1: shit!" Like my
2: body just fired. That's it. My body shut down. I was sweating. I was like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "I'm like, this shouldn't be this way. Like, it shouldn't be this way at all. Like, like, what is this condition? You know, like, it's just a price, you know, price tag. Like, who cares? But yeah. So like, I, I, you know, I don't want him to grow up that way. You know, I want him to. To experience the stuff that you know, like again, maybe it's selfish,
1: but you know, it's also like let him pick his own his own future, yeah. and you let him the see the right environment too. Like, yeah, here is is a great example in this shop. We make you know everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, a day doesn't go by where somebody doesn't make a mistake to some degree. They usually I've never small. made a mistake in my life. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you haven't. <laughs> we'll, we'll raz that person for at least a few days. Yeah, but. We also know when, the, you know, there is a point where, you know, it can go overboard and somebody feels bad about it. But yeah. It's, it's a good environment to it, where it's, you know, it's kind of safe <laughs> to go. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot have of Nats Nats Mike right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the beer? Is that wine? No, but, so uh, yeah. So, you know, it's like. You can recover from your mistakes, yeah. and that's the lesson. You See, know? That, and that was that was with my upbringing that I hated
2: was yeah. like, oh, if you fucking, if you made a mistake, forget about it. Yeah. you know? yeah. And that, I think that's what crippled me. Of you know,
1: because mistakes are part of yeah being. Yeah, you, know? you can't. Now I
2: thrive on making mistakes yeah. because you know what I'm I, even if I do it right, I don't feel like I learned. Yeah, yeah. you know, you only learn by your mistakes in a way yeah, because you're right. you could yeah. do something right, but. There's ten ways you can do it wrong, and then there's ten other ways you can you can do it right. So it's yeah, like you know what, yeah. I enjoy making the mistakes now,
0: you know. Because, yeah, it's a learning opportunity every single time.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's also again it's like a mental thing. It's it's nice to, like, still dealing with the anxiety, but like you know what, like you're learning how to cope with it, you're learning how to fight it, and it's not it's not ruling you anymore. That's right. Because I know you you've had. Pfft, <laughs> i think that's another reason why we, we clicked really well I had
1: is. fill in the blank <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i think yeah so <laughs> that's what's great here too you know we don't shy away from any of that stuff yeah. everybody yeah. knows everything and it's reality
0: um <laughs> and that it ties into the whole november thing yeah. like there's so many people that are dealing with anxiety and depression and things like that and nobody wants to talk about it because it makes people uncomfortable especially
1: with men yeah Yeah. i
0: hate talking about
2: it and and as much as you've tried to help me you know it's it's so hard for me to talk about it. so hard for me to to want to deal with it you know with Uh, with dealing with it through somebody else but it's a super important thing to uh to
1: you know get into You, you have to because i mean especially in in these times um it's I, you know, I would struggle to find somebody that doesn't have some form of, you know, anxiousness about what's going on in the world or in their own life or, you know, deal with these things. And and men in particular, and that's why Movember is such an important um, topic, is that men, we're in the trades, we're these big tough guys or little tough guys, you know, (laughs) we work with our hands, we get dirty we don't talk about the consequences yes, yeah. or you know thoughts of depression suicide all these things that yeah. that plague so many men yeah which in fact, I feel like it, it probably hits us a lot more than it does. Yeah, because they you know. teach us to stuff it down.
2: Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're told to, like, we got to have this facade on all the time. Like, there's this shell up. If you break that shell down, then, you know, you're being this, you're being that, you know? So I think, yeah, it, it definitely hurts us a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, like, I guess it kind of comes down to mentality, but it's, like, for a lot of men it's like for me i wouldn't i would never be able to work in an office no you know like yeah. like especially right now with this whole thing going on it's like all these people that get to work from home it's like i don't have that option yeah. you know i ha- yeah. i have to
0: well i just spent a week at home it sucks
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i had a, uh, I had uh that that two months away well not oh, two yeah. months that two, two weeks away yeah, yeah um from you know from the other shop i was at but uh yeah, it was it was kind of hard, but even then, I was like, I think I was home for two days, and then I was at my buddy shop helping out, mm-hmm. or I used it to, to start doing other things again. So it's like yeah. it's hard for me to sit still and not like just keep going, especially especially in times like this. Like, yeah, you know, there's so many people that are strapped to one thing. It's like now those people have nothing.
0: You know? Well, yeah, we're constantly branching out. We yeah, I was know. just saying to uh to Will, why well, Willie, gotta diversify.
1: Yeah, I mean Jeff, tell my you know manny everything that we're doing we've been talking about it but it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that of course our core business is and will probably always be custom furniture custom cabinetry we design and
0: build but yeah jeff yeah i mean we're doing the 3d printing stuff we're making you know the accessories for the glue bottles that kind of stuff um trying to sell some plans maybe get into doing some um you know videos and maybe some articles for magazines that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff so
1: yeah we have some things lined up with that that you know we'll talk about once they Mm -hmm. start happening um you know we just got involved with patreon yeah yeah you're telling me a little bit about that yeah um and social media is all part of that and yeah i mean even just you guys doing the
2: broadcast Well, sorry, the podcast. Yeah, I pulled a a Rich on Rich is gone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I pulled a Rich on that one. Sorry, Rich. (laughs) I'll leave that to you. But uh, yeah, no, like even you guys doing this, like all the people like I see on Facebook complaining about, oh, I'm home, I have nothing to do or this and that. They just have nothing. They're so one track minded. And I think that's probably why we clicked as much as Mm -hmm. we clicked. Oh, yeah. You know, if something fails, what's the next step? That's right. You know, if we
1: don't have something to do, what's... What's the next thing to do? Yeah. You well, know. I mean it's obvious that we have a lot in common. You're you'd be a perfect fit here for us. And that's that's really our goal number one is to grow to the point where we need another person here. <laughs> yeah. Which is something I you know, like I said, I, I've been looking forward to that. You know Yeah, yeah. So so that that's really, you know, always a topic
0: here at Green Street. Yes, yeah. you know. My mind, is, my mind is my mind is hungry. Yeah, I don't get many here. Yeah, and you know every we never build the same thing twice, so it's always I mean yeah. and I think that's what I love most about it. You know,
2: because cuz uh, you know, being at 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 the shop now, it's like my primary job is is finishing. Yeah. Which is like it's it's great that I learned it and yeah, there's a lot to be learned in it, but it's be a little monotonous yeah it's 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 kind of the same thing over and over again Yeah,
0: how many um you know doors can you spray before it's just yeah yeah you're on autopilot yeah
2: so i mean to the the people that don't know i mean obviously you guys know but
0: yeah i mean i i
2: quit there a year ago and pursued a another yeah growth
1: which was working at a cnc shop Yeah, and and that's something that neither Jeff nor I know anything really about. We know. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, now that you're doing your 3D printing
0: and stuff. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah,
2: uh, you've you opened that door to me yeah and i was very (laughs) very reluctant to to go with it because i was like
1: i went there first and said here's the guy this is the guy you want yeah and
2: and uh (laughs) you knew you knew how i was feeling mentally over at you know at the shop and you're like just look at it and i was like i I, you know i i talked down about myself too much and i was like there's no way like they're too smart for me like it's it's way out of my realm this and that
0: yeah it turns out i think it was the opposite. Yeah, you're too uh, smart for them.
2: Well, I, I wouldn't want to say too smart for them, but I, I think, and this is gonna go into the to the gripe of the week, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it, you know, the whole one track mindedness yeah. again. But yeah, so I mean, you you told me just go, just be and yourself, I, and go, I yeah. I think you saying that and, and saying you know what, like you got to take the risks. Like I've watched you guys take the risks. Yeah, you know listening to your upbringing and, and everything that you've had to go through. Yeah. And then obviously your situation, us being similar age, similar, I mean, you know, just having, you know, the, the kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, you know what? Do I stick and be miserable or take a chance and fail? And I wanted to take the chance to fail yeah. and I didn't fail. No, well, you
1: succeeded, you know, as I knew you would really, yeah. you know, without hesitation, I say that. I had the confidence in you. Yeah, I just needed to talk myself into it because it (laughs) it was
2: something like, uh, you know, I always had an interest in, you know, granted it wasn't metal stuff. You know, obviously like I come more of a mechanical automotive kind of background and stuff like that. More metal fabrication and everything else. But it was like...
0: You haven't mentioned, you know, like you built your own truck. You've worked on motorcycles. Am I allowed to use that word custom? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can. That's real custom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a a group of
2: buddies that, that really opened up the door for me. Um, you know, being in like the custom car scene, it, you know, it was like when I, when I first started at, at the outfitting store, I was like, I bought my first truck and I was like, this is pretty cool. And like, I've always been into cars and, and trucks and stuff like that, but like, I never got to do that mechanical stuff. So keep in mind, like I was just working on bikes until I was like 20 and then I started automotive stuff at like 2021. 20, so it was like a really late start for for, for me or f- pretty much for anybody to, to kind of get into that field. And uh, a buddy of mine had a, you know, a custom, you know, I'll make it easy for everyone listening and viewing that like, you know, low riders. Like yes. you think of like the, you know, the California West Coast. Yeah. So it was something like that, but you know, trucks on you know, like air ride suspension and stuff like that. So he showed me this, this, group of people um that were into that and I was like holy shit like this is awesome you know like there's a lot to be learned here and being a car enthusiast and everything else like that I was like I finally want to be part of that community because like I have a job I can afford things now you know I'm doing things for myself and again I was getting hungry so I was like all right so yeah so it was a couple years like you know working 10 to 14 hour days doing carpet and then I would leave Keyport and drive all the way down to to uh uh brick township to my buddy's shop where we would be working on you know either his truck or my truck and doing this doing that and then it kind of turned into this a uh, really bad addiction of <laughs> you know leaving stuff stock and and cutting stuff off of you know cars and doing this yeah. and doing that and but you know is that the guy with the big sub truck because no that was just a customer okay yeah that was just a customer i would never <laughs> i would never do that no, but I have like I have like a really big like fascination with suspension and stuff, you know, like how things articulate and how you can do this and how you can do that. And there's a lot of and, and can use the word custom because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you think about it, you're you're cutting a vehicle apart. Yeah. Most of know. that stuff
1: is one off one of a kind. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. there's a lot of like just bolt on stuff. But mm-hmm. like the feel that we're in, it, it's it's very like if you if you screw up, you screw up you know there's a ton
0: of geometry involved yeah you
2: have to be committed to you're cutting your car apart you know you're cutting the frame off you know you're 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 changing the entire geometry of of the suspension and there's so many things involved with that and I think that's what really got me into like you know like wanting to be even hungrier than I was yeah and I think when I was I was at the same time I was doing plumbing too which was nice because it's like plumbing the air ride up on, on the truck, you know, all the different, the valves and the airlines and this and that. And it was like, I get to bring that to work. So it was like, I was kind of taking the two things and and making it into one thing. So, but yeah, no, we, we do a lot of stuff. Like even tonight, I got to go do a bunch of shit and you know, I try to keep that as a hobby. So like, you don't
1: get bored of it. That's cool. But well, That was a pretty good introduction, Manny. It's just (laughs) touched the surface (laughs) a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, From what I know. I'm actually enjoying this beer, too. Yeah. It's good. So uh, we're going to move on in the podcast. We're going to go to some questions. Yeah. Take some viewer questions. Manny, you're going to jump in with that. Yeah. We have
0: have a a bunch of overflow questions from last week. So, yeah, um, we might end up with some overflow into next week uh so first one this is from jack jack is a uh, repeat offender jack (laughs) thornton 98 on instagram what is your best workshop habit for efficiency
1: yeah (laughs) we throw it to the guests first
2: you have Uh, anything uh, yeah being open-minded understanding what has to be done and you know uh, i think probably the most important thing is working with the people around you don't be don't be selfish Mm -hmm. you know what what part of what you have to do is going to benefit everyone around you and how do you work as a team to to make that happen i think it's hard
1: to make that a one-person call that's an outstanding you know take on the question because everybody's going to go 99 percent of people are going to go to this mechanical solution what do i do and and you went straight to the interpersonal part which is really i mean if you're working in a one-man shop it's a totally different story like you you
2: know if you're dragging your feet all day well maybe stop dragging your feet that's a start (laughs) yeah but if you're working with a shop full of people you know it's just like an r trade but if you're like obviously if like you're in a campbell's soup place it's like you're you you each have your own position but in something like what we do it's like you have to work as a team so it's like see what one person is doing and how does it trickle down the line that you all make it happen.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think we can come up with a better answer than that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I'd say <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not better. I'd say touching on that on the team sort of aspect is definitely try and play to everyone's strengths, find yeah. out who does what the best yeah. and, and, uh, you know, play to those, um, you know, natural strengths. And then um, on a more individual level or even, even a team level, take that time in the beginning to, Evaluate the situation and say what is the most efficient way to do yeah. this, and invest the time up front. Even right. if it takes you an hour to figure out how you're going to do it, if you save two hours, well then you saved an hour. So it's always better to right. It's yeah. always better to rather than just jump in with with no real plan to actually give it some thought and think about yeah a bunch of different ways and and. And that plan might, being spread out through all the people you're working with. Yeah. yeah and you might combine, <laughs> if it's the three of us, three yeah. different ideas into one final idea. Yeah. So.
2: And that was one thing too with us was that, especially for me, again, being completely new to to the whole woodworking thing and being in that environment and then like working with skilled people. Like I was so intimidated when you guys came in, <laughs> you know, especially you. I was like, he's he's the same age as me. And he's like just worlds above me i'm like fuck like this is gonna suck for me
0: i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna feel like <laughs> you, you catch on very very yeah, quickly but what, what what it was was
2: like yeah. you guys for having the experience you have having open ears oh yeah. and i think i think so many other people can benefit from that and i benefited the most from that was like you know you guys have the experience i don't or 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 whatever the case may be for anybody but it was just like Listening to you guys and then you listening to you say, well, what would you do? I was like, what? What? <laughs> what do you mean? Why are you asking me? But I think, yeah. So I think working as a team, yeah, you know, yeah. learning where where the straggling is at and where you can, you know, kind of cut time off of things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's, there's plenty of things that make efficiency yeah. happen. It's, but it really comes down to the person.
0: Yeah. And you can get jaded by your own experience and, yeah. you know, think because I've done it this way. That's how I do it. And that's the best yeah. way to do it. But. I've seen
2: that plenty of times with you over there too. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things, but it's also at the same time, it's like you want to do the right thing, mm-hmm. yeah. which is the same thing with me and the same thing with you. And I think a lot of other people and, in, in any kind of craft business or, oh, yeah. or what we're in, it's like, you want to do the right thing. There's not too many people out there. I mean, granted, there is quite a few people out there, but that, that want to do the wrong thing, but we want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. We're not, just thinking about ourselves we're thinking about the customer yeah
1: you know sure um i'll just add quickly for me it would probably be trying to stay neat you know trying i i always try and clean up as i'm going along put my tools up and things like that that's a big thing um otherwise i get totally distracted and can't really that's a super big uh, thing because then you're taking time away to clear off a workbench or find a tool that you put down and do this and that. Sometimes it just clears my head for the next step too, Mm -hmm. as I'm, you know, hanging clamps or something.
0: Yeah. And, uh, like we were talking before with the tools, you know, when it's difficult to get to the tool, like let's say in your truck, you're going to find some half-assed way yeah, to, right. to get done what you're doing because I don't want to dig out the whatever thing I need. So if, if the shop is a mess, you might run into the same situation yeah. where you're like, you're going to take the easy way out and do it this way because it you It always wanna... comes back
2: to bum. Yeah, down. yeah. So uh, real quick, so when you, I, I never ac- actually asked you this, but when you were doing your trim work, mm-hmm. was it your own vehicle or was it a company vehicle?
0: Um, Like, did you have to sift through a van of tools and... Trend? No, I mean, well, at first I had my truck and then I got a company van and uh, there were company tools in the van, but it was set up, I mean, mostly with my tools, but set up. But that you was know, you driving I that won. van. Yeah, it was my yeah. van. I set it up the way I won. And- yeah.
2: Because, I mean, we've seen work vans
0: <laughs> that are like, what the yeah. hell is going yeah, I've on? I've smelled work stuff. vans. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
2: dirty socks Uh, and yeah just uh, be neat and organized you you know and that comes back to the mental health thing like just having the the neat and organized and you know if you're if you are an installer if you're doing anything where you have to work out of a van being in a customer's house is is like already stressful enough Mm -hmm. like all right i forgot something or you know what like shit i didn't think i needed this let me go out to the van yeah then you open up the van and you don't have to see this bomb yeah that have gone off in there.
0: Yeah. I would, you know, every Friday try and, you know, because let's say it's Wednesday, you go to a, a I'm doing trim. So I go to a house, do the trim. And I know the next day I'm going to be somewhere else. Well, I might just throw everything in the van at the end of the day. You're better off taking the time, putting everything back where it belongs mm-hmm. because you're going to be way more efficient the yeah. next day. Yeah,
2: Cause then oh, yeah. you don't drag that stress over to the next day. You're right. not thinking like, fuck my van is like a, a shithole right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even with the finishing, like, you guys seen how much finishing we we have to do through that oh, shop. Yeah. So it's like there's so many different chemicals to be out, so many different mixing cups, so many different, you know, stirring, everything. It's like, you know, seeing gets that that's ugly fast. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like, even if there has to be work done, I sometimes say that can wait. I need to clean up. I need to have it organized because you know what? Nothing is going to get done right. Yeah. And then it, when something goes wrong it's just multiplied by 10 at that point because now you already got stuff on top of your mind and you're just
1: adding to it, especially back there, you know, a little contaminant here and there, something
2: in the air, everything, you know, everything. Oh,
1: did I add the catalyst? Did I add this? Did I (laughs) add that?
2: Did I already do this? How long has it been? It's like, just put your mind at ease. So I think the neatness is probably like number one. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. It all depends, but yeah, it's two great, uh, answers, I think. Yeah. All right. There you go, Jack. What do we got next? Um, this is from uh, Nathan at Tree of Life Woodworking on Instagram. He's asking us, what is something that each of you would love to do more of? Maybe
0: a certain style of joinery, etc. cetera. Why don't you take it? Um. Let's see. I mean, I would say I would love to do more like hand-cut joinery, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, some really things that really would push my skill level. Um, the difficulty in that is that it's hard enough to get clients that are willing to pay for the level (laughs) of work that we do the way we do it now. Um, and with timelines and getting work in through the door, you know, it doesn't leave a lot of time to, to be super creative and to take, I mean, we already, we already take the extra, extra, uh, steps. Oh yeah.
1: There's more hours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Way more.
0: Uh, So yeah, I mean, I'd like to do uh, more slow work, sort of at the bench, hand cut dovetails, that kind of Quiet stuff. Work. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: No, besides, I mean, you guys do the dovetails. So oh yeah, we do what, quite yeah, a bit of it. What What is like much more than that? Like, because well, again, yeah, I mean, I'm like, the, I'm not like a woodworker, <laughs> let's say. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, like you know, we do router cut dovetails. They're not they're not like half blind, just like your standard kind of dovetail we do through. Uh, but. You know, like hand cut with a saw and a chisel and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, every job always has some couple of details that we're going to add that are hand cut and this and that. And, um, you know, it's our chance to express ourselves in that way. But I think what Jeff's talking about is if we built... You know, a chest of drawers and all the, oh, the, the casework case. is dovetail, so, yeah, yeah, hand cut dovetail. Oh, okay. you're it talking like okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a special client to get, and, and not, not everybody pair. even wants that look, right? It's, yeah, um, I I would say I have a one particular thing, and Jeff knows this. Morris always, chair. <laughs> I always always wanted to build a Morris chair, and I suppose you know I could on the off time I could build it, but. You know, then you're sort of chipping away at it. I want to immerse myself in building a Morris chair. What is what is a Morris chair? It's it's a specific chair design, and you if you saw a picture of it, you'd recognize it. It's, okay, it's like got these big flat arms, almost like an Adirondack chair, and um, straight side. So it's you know like in the arts and crafts. School, somewhere, authority design. is going to be sitting in this thing, <laughs> or? Well, yeah. And then it's got an upholstered uh seat cushion and back, okay, that goes separate. And it's got sort of this mechanical recline feature where the back will tilt back and you have pegs, okay. It's just kind of like a cool,
0: you know, it epitomizes the arts and crafts, yeah. It's one of those quintessential man. designs. I mean, yeah. William Morris was like. I mean he's the godfather yes. of the Arts and Crafts movement and back, dating back to England, you know, the right. English Arts and Crafts movement. Um it I mean it's up there with like a couple other things as like the you yeah. know the thing to build for a, in a
1: in a different way like the Eames chair for mid centuries yeah. You know it's it's just it's if you see a picture of it you don't have to know anything about furniture to know, oh yeah, I've seen that. And that's a cool chair. Yeah, it's been emulated, <laughs> you know, a
0: hundred thousand times. But right. have you
1: have you ever made one? No, no. I want to though. I want to, you know, make. And I'd love to make like a suite uh, for a living room or something. Yeah, I want
0: like a Morris
1: uh, couch. Yeah, like the settee yeah. and the couch. So it's just that's, that's what I want. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What about that's, you, Manny? Um, well,
2: so funny story. Like, I think it was probably the first or second month, like working at Tom's working with Rich, we had a, we had a job to go install like this, uh, bathroom vanity and, and stuff like that for, uh, a jeweler, you know, a well-known like retail jeweler. And, uh, one of the reasons why, uh, you know, Tom and I wanted to bring me in was like, you know, having worked with metal and mm-hmm. welding and stuff like that, they had taken on this job that had these, uh, two bathroom <laughs> cabinet vanities that had metal framework so they're like, there you make go. these, and I'm like, this is a, again out of my realm. Like, what I've done is like I'm just getting started with this, and he's like, just, f- just fucking do it. <laughs> so, uh, I would, I would like to incorporate more metal work yeah. into cabinetry and furniture.
0: Yeah, we've been trying for yeah, uh, we've been about talking now, eighteen months now. To because
2: I think it's a really good, you know, complementary, you know, yeah. you know, wood with metal. Yeah. We agree. You know. Yeah, I mean, especially
0: when it's done tastefully and not um just you know for the sake of doing yeah. it. Yeah. There's which a which
2: of- I had never seen that before either. So mm-hmm. like seeing that and, and being completely new to the cabinetry world and it was just like that actually looks kind of nice. You know, like a nice little end frame and then the you know, the the you know, partition legs and everything else. I was like I like why why don't we see more of this? Yeah. You know? Why don't we see more of metal and woodwork together? You guys would know more Cost, than me. Probably.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are setting their ways, and there's, uh, yeah. there's a small market for anything outside of the norm. Yeah. So, same yeah. reason we see so many white shaker kitchens. Yeah.
1: And epoxy tables now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where you do see the
0: metal is yeah. like a river table with metal legs, and they're yeah. trapezoid. And um, so it's kind of been like just rehashed a million times by.
1: It might become yeah. a trend. You never know. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Hopefully the tasteful use is yeah, a yeah. trend. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, this, this is uh,
0: something that I'm
1: sure you could answer, Jeff. How do you have your business structured? That's from David, DWS Remodeling on Instagram. Yeah, and David is actually, he's in that Frisco area. We were talking about Frisco. Oh, yeah, because his follow-up, you know, maybe we could wrap this up into, into the two. same question, where he asks, outside of Instagram, how are you guys
0: marketing? So, um business structured. I'm not sure, uh, exactly what you mean. I mean, it's a, a partnership where three equal partners, if, yeah. if that's, you mean the, uh, the ownership sort of structure. Um, and we approach everything as, um, three partners. I mean, yeah. we, we discuss all the ins and outs of the company and, um, you know, try to come to a consensus for the most part. No one's really, yeah. Um, I mean, there's Every a lot of times there's, go. yeah, I mean, there's like implied consent where it's just like, I, I know Rich and Rob are fine with, so, and then you just do something.
1: Uh, <laughs> and we each have different roles that we yeah, fall yeah. into as well, you know?
0: Yeah, you know, like I'm not over your, looking over your shoulder with design work, and I'm not looking over Rich doing the accounting, so. You're doing this wrong. <laughs> we have, we've compartmentalized uh, yeah. parts of the business, and there's other parts where it's, um, you know, discussion it's a discussion most of the time. It's yeah. you know, who can do what. And then uh, marketing outside of Instagram, uh, it's really non-existent. We just sent out um, like a uh, a brochure, I guess you would call yeah, it trifold, yeah, like trifold brochure to uh, all these churches, yeah, because uh, we do liturgical Is that just to award. the churches, yeah, yeah. only okay. only to churches because uh, they're kind of in a a still old school, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're niche market. They're gonna they got a secretary that's physically opening mail, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so about a hundred churches sent out, um, you know, this little brochure, a nice little letter. Yeah, um, hoping to reach some people that way because that's it's fun work. It's it's. Uh,
1: yeah, we do. You know, for the size of our company, we do a lot of liturgical work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've probably, you know, as a group, we've got sixty or seventy pieces, uh, you know, under our belt. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that church shop was something. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: stepping into that shop that night.
2: With the carpet tools like what the hell is going on yeah yeah
0: if you're uh if you follow us on instagram go back and you'll see these uh quarter white oak confessionals that we built for this church in in red Bank. yeah yeah little buildings I mean. yeah and i
2: could say from seeing them in person they were top notch yeah <laughs> i was very very thrown off from what i was walking into when you guys called me like hey do you, do you want to do carpet and a confessional i'm like
1: sure <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> not quite sure what this is going to entail <laughs> yeah
1: yeah. yeah. Almost made you want to confess. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I hope someone has the time to listen like. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean when we installed those um I mean they were like the six fathers were Yeah, uh, yeah. they were gathered around like they were I mean they were giddy. It was Did it was they cool. like the climate control? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> climate control. <laughs> reading <laughs> lights. Reading lights. Uh, I mean they were yeah, They, they, they yeah. were nice.
1: Yeah, it it's a uh, it was a labor of love on our part, too. I mean, we just enjoy working for folks that really appreciate what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah, what that comes was, down to. is like, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a
2: number attached to it, but it's like, I yeah. think in one of your, like, what, three or four episodes ago, it's like, sometimes, like, the paycheck isn't worth what just seeing that expression on someone's face oh, is yeah. about. Like, yeah. I can't tell you, I, I mean that's like my main thing it's like i do so much work for so many people and nine times out of ten i don't ever see a dollar Hmm. i just see a smile yeah and it's like you know what like that works for me because it's not just a smile it's also like the knowledge like for me to never going to school for things or doing this or doing that it's like you know i take that in and 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 replace for a dollar. This sign. Is your education. Yeah, priceless, yeah. you know. Yeah. Knowing yeah. how
0: to do something is priceless. Yeah, because sure
2: you know whether or not like that person's going to tell ten other people. Yeah, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah, and that you know the confessional job is one of those where really we took it above and beyond what oh, the scope yeah. of work
1: was. <laughs> we were no holds barred on that one. Yeah. We 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 found. I mean, we had things sent. Just the lighting and everything that was laid out.
0: Yeah. By this yeah, you guys did company. go all out on that. Um, like, yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, we have a, a, a job that we, um, you know, that Rob designed for St. Anthony's that hopefully, um, you know, maybe a couple months oh, will yeah, be yeah. to as soon as,
1: uh, as soon as things clear up out there, we're hoping uh, to get back into that. Well, churches are open right now, are they, are they not?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess limited uh, capacity, that kind of stuff, like everything else. All right. So um, we'll go to the next
1: question from Brian. Uh, we 're gonna i'm gonna give this last name a shot Brian Igilelski on youtube and he 's asking for shop storage do you prefer cabinets drawers for me, I can keep drawers more organized I tend to lose things in the back of cabinets uh, how do you feel about that man if you have to organize your stuff you 're looking at cabinets uh, drawers something different I guess it depends on what you 're doing
2: like I know you guys are really about the aprons, which I was I was a huge fan of, too. After after seeing you with the apron at first, I thought it was like,
1: mm, I don't know
0: if I could do that. You Everybody's know, like, look at this guy. with the apron. But then I was just <laughs> like, yeah, but
2: then I was just like, you know what? Like seeing after doing what you're doing, I'm like, it makes total sense. Um, I, I I guess it really comes down to what you're doing. You know, yeah. when I was at the CNC shop an apron would have been hands down the best thing for me i would have one little spot on the bench where i would keep tools i would grab here and there but as far as everything else it was i had a cheap air apron i didn't i didn't have one of the nice calavera ones but yeah yeah, i know (laughs) i still look at them like yeah maybe i'm gonna have to get one one day but we gotta we gotta see but um you know there yeah i had an apron so it's like i had the tools i needed day in day out all the time right there on me and then everything else was just kind of like on top of a bench or you know not necessarily in a drawer but somewhere easy enough to access um i really don't know how to answer that one because it's yeah. like it kind of comes down to what you're doing and, and who you are mm-hmm. well for
0: us
1: here in the shop what do you think jeff
0: um i i because this question came in last week i was thinking about it a little bit uh when i was at home looking at it for me, it depends on sort of what it is. If it's something that's used a lot, I think a drawer is probably best. But yeah. if it's something that, uh, get, like, you know, we have a cabinet up in the corner of the shop over here that has uh, iron-on edge banding and an iron in it. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out barely ever. Yeah. Do you guys even do edge banding here?
2: I never asked that
1: question.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, we typically re- do, like, a real wood edge. Yeah. Like, a piece of three-quarter on the edge. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it doesn't come out <laughs> Excuse very Excuse <often>. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we're a little snobby over here. Um, I love it. So a drawer, I mean, a drawer t- takes up way more space in a cabinet just because of its nature. Yeah. You have to have a physical drawer in there, the slides. you got to account for all these tolerances. Um, so for stuff that doesn't get used a lot, I think a cabinet's better. And for stuff they're using every day, screws, um, routers that are set up with specific bits, I think drawers are yeah. better.
1: Yeah. I I much prefer the drawer. Um Usually, if we have something with that's behind a door, it's because we just didn't have the time to make the drawer. Yeah, I mean, because that's what it's all about for us here. It's, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's I guess that's what it comes down to how your shop's laid out. Yeah, whether yeah. or not you can
2: open up a drawer all the way, or if you can open yeah. up a door all the way. I, I guess yeah. that's kind of like another yeah. important thing. Yeah,
0: if it's like consumables where you have five boxes of the same screw, yeah. All right, well it can be stacked all the way to the back of the cabinet. Yeah. But if you have five different types of screws, you want them in a we drawer so you draw, can pull it out yeah. and grab yeah. what you need. Yeah.
2: We just have open
1: bins. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, you want
0: those come out of a dumpster? Those screws, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you want to read the next question where it says starts. I'm a hobbyist twenty years. Uh,
2: who's yeah? Who's mostly used boiled uh linseed oil because. Thomas Moser uses it, which is a brand of tongue oil and citrus solvent. Do you use... Um, I've typically sanded everything 600 grit, but thinking maybe too much sanding. Uh, 600 grits is pretty, pretty high. Yeah. Uh, for interior fine furniture, what grit is your final sanding before tongue oil? Uh, Alex Mitchell in Nashville. Um, well, you guys use oils much more than I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the
2: 600 though... Like, is that wood even open at that point? Like, <laughs>
0: I don't... Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm no finishing expert. I don't claim yeah. to be. I have, um, I mean, most of my experiences with tongue oil in terms of like an oil finish. We sand to 220 or 320 or mm-hmm. 240, whatever. Um, 600 is nice. You know, and it makes the wood feel very nice, but I'm not sure how much oil it's really going to accept at 600. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that, I, I mean, not not ever doing it I feel
2: like that's something like after you've maybe applied a few coats of oil then you hit it with 600 yeah but hitting it with 600 and then trying to hit it with oil I don't feel like oil is gonna absorb into it it's just it's too closed up
0: yeah yeah you know? I mean, maybe BLO is something different you know maybe it, it works differently than tongue oil and 600 grit is fine I'm not sure I have I personally yeah. haven't used boiled linseed oil um but, I mean the finish we get with 320 with tongue oil is uh, I don't see a need yeah, to really it's very go that yeah dude. to go that high yeah
2: I don't I, yeah I don't know I I would depending on what it was like maybe a, a butcher block or something I would coat the hell out of it with the tongue oil at most maybe a 220 and then or, yeah. finish it off with like a 600 to kind of seal it up and maybe not allow stuff to kind of get in there or absorb as much. You know, when you're doing with, like, wood and stuff, like, I know when I painted that guitar for oh yeah, for you guys, right. it was like, watching the professionals, they'll sand afterwards. Right. Thousand. They're sanding the
1: finish, though. Not yeah, the, the, yeah. The paint.
2: But wood only can absorb so much. Yeah. That was like an know?
1: automotive finish. That's why. Well, I, yeah, the, the spray
2: can. But, like, even, like, even their finishes, too. It's like, even, like, the piano finishes. Mm-hmm. It's like, you... Sand only up to like a 320, 440 at like a crazy level mm-hmm. with a finish. And then, like, your top coat, it's like that's when you want to use a higher yeah, grit to yeah. kind of really get rid of like your orange peel or any kind of imperfections, this and that. But, like, you know, just dealing with a stain as much as we stain stuff over there, it's like even just today, I was like, you know, trying to match a sample and it was just like,
1: you know, 220 was even too much you <laughs> yeah. know it just closed it yeah. up the wood wasn't absorbing most anything. stains they tell you 120 actually yeah 120
2: yeah. but then after it's applied then you yeah. you go to your your higher grits yeah so i don't but, know i would say probably stick away from yeah and you
1: tell them what uh, what we use over here
0: oh yeah so uh i mean you're from nashville we use real milk paint co natural tongue oil and, and citrus it. solvent yeah they're in they're in tennessee i forget the exact town Uh, but a family owned company started, a guy was trying to match these and, you know, he was, uh, reproducing antique furniture, restoring antique furniture, trying to match these time period paints. Uh, so he created this whole company to, uh, you know, match these. That's what he does. Yeah. So we use their tongue oil, their wax.
1: Yeah. So we use the regular and the dog. Yep. Um, and the citrus solvent and Mm -hmm. the wax.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all natural. You could pour it in the garden. It's super easy to use and beautiful finish um lays out a lot smoother than we were just talking about this today the the polymerized mm-hmm. sort of i mean like form bees there's no tongue oil in Formbies. it's not <laughs> <laughs> it's called tongue oil but it's not tongue oil. No, it's called tongue see I, oil I don't finish, finish. i don't right, have yeah, much like,
2: experience with the oils you know yeah. um at the cnc place we used um uh what the hell is that that name you have it right here the minwax not the minwax the other oh my god i'm drawing a blank <laughs> The, the fancy stuff. Uh, oh, Rubio Mono. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we use that over there a lot, but again, it, it's not really an oil. The only time I've ever really used oil was like working on my own project, which mm-hmm. was like that ashtray. I used like yeah. Heritage oil. Um, That's like a gun stock
1: oil, isn't it? or I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, tongue oil is like, it's what's called a drying oil. Um, it's a, you know, it's a penetrative. Finish so it goes actually into the wood versus you know most finishes just sit on top so right you know. which is um, what i'm used to doing yeah i mean I, I, there's this stigma that these penetrative finishes aren't as durable as a, as a hard top you know top coat uh film finish untrue yeah i, I see to me i feel the opposite because when we worked at for those (laughs) if this is a cabinet you go like this okay there's a little (laughs) dent here now and then a lot of times because the finish is so hard it wants to chip and crack and you can't touch that up with a you can touch it up but it it never looks right to me
2: not as far as like just wiping
0: on it doesn't match yeah that's what I learned when
2: when I made that ashtray like it was walnut and I used the heritage oil originally um It was nice er, starting off and obviously like I'm a cigar smoker so it's like there's a lot of heat involved with cigars and a lot of ash involved. It lasted pretty long as far as like just using a natural oil but I I did have to switch over to like a nice like convernish varnish top coat on top of it just to kind of withhold because it you know it's like you have to empty the ashtray a lot and wipe it out with some type of water or or something
0: yeah that's the thing about like a tongue oil finish is there's still that porous nature of the wood is still exposed yeah, so yeah. things can kind of get down into the grain and stuff where with a with a hard finish like that or a, a film finish it's sealing it right you'll be able to like wipe it up
1: yeah all
0: right that was a pretty good question yeah um
1: so this is uh sort of related um we got the uh, buffalo custom woodworking on instagram asking well, wiping mineral spirits on wood before finishing mess with the finish? I've read some places that mineral spirits will not change anything, but here we go. Rubio Monaco, for example, says not to do so.
0: What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, us personally, we don't uh, wipe things with mineral spirits. I've definitely heard yeah. of people doing that. Um, this goes back to the film finish versus the penetrative finish. I think, you know, Rubio Monaco, it's a penetrative finish. It's a, a hard wax oil, I yeah. think they call it. So it's like a some sort of combination of flax oil and a wax. Um, so that mineral spirit is going to get down into the wood yeah. to some degree, and it's going to screw around with the finish soaking in. Um, I'm sure if you wiped with mineral spirits and then let it sit for a while, it would all evaporate and yeah. you'd probably be fine. Yeah. Um, but with a film finish, it's just sitting on top of the wood and it's having a chemical reaction. It's going to cure... Um, so I think it depends on what you're doing. With Rubio, I would say definitely don't do it. With a tongue oil, tongue oil, don't do it. Do you use the cleaner? Uh, no. I mean we we don't use Rubio a lot. We use it for like stuff that needs a specific color. Yeah, because they yeah. say like, oh,
2: you know, if you're gonna use our stuff, make sure you use our <laughs> our cleaner first. And yeah. it's like it's,
1: it's kind of like just denatured alcohol. But yeah. <laughs> all right, let's just we'll stick to we'll, it. We'll use know. air and attack cloth. Yeah, which yeah. is pretty much the oldest way of doing it yeah that's an old, old thing the tack cloth mm-hmm. yeah uh, and we haven't had any bad results so we try to use as few of ingredients i'll call it as yeah and possible. especially
0: these sort of uh, caustic chemicals yeah yeah um you know so you're, you're using rubio because it's a natural product <laughs> right min-wax, you can use a minwax stain is like uh, one tenth of the price yeah to get the same look essentially if you're going to put some type of top coat on it yeah um for
2: me, like, I've recently just started, like, with stain jobs is just using, uh like, denatured alcohol to wipe it down in yeah. place of uh, tack cloth. Yeah. You know, I don't have the option of ordering tack cloth, so it's, like, <laughs> de- denatured alcohol in a rag. Wipe it down real fast. Not methyl ethyl ketone. <laughs> the butyl acetate. Uh, a big <laughs> splash. But, yeah. No, I just you know, wipe it down with something. I mean, there's been times where I've used, like, acetone on stuff. I mean, like, yeah. that's great for, like, Maybe cleaning something off with like adhesive, mm-hmm. but I've I never really, put on wood. Yeah, I've never used Airwood, wood. Especially. Yeah, no. I mean, denatured alcohol like on a sealed surface, but I think like the Rubio Monocoat, like I think their cleaner is almost the same thing yeah. as like denatured alcohol, which is you'll see it evaporate. Yeah. You know it's gonna evaporate as long as you buy like a
0: quality one. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've seen guys yeah wipe a- stuff with mineral spirits to see if there's any glue you know you'll be able to see how the finish right. is going to actually yeah. look if you put on a uh a film finish you know what i've used water yeah yeah <laughs> well <laughs> the check so for glue yeah, you yeah. you guys have met the guy that comes in every
2: now and then who's like the crazy finisher oh, you yeah, know yeah from you know his Campbell. favorite thing is just yeah you know that's how you're gonna see mm-hmm. you know what is this gonna turn into once once a wet coat's gonna go on this or yeah. that As long as you give it, I guess, the time to evaporate and you know, like, it's not an oil, like, let's not wipe silicone or WD-40 down
1: on it. (laughs) Right, yeah. Oil and water don't mix. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, I I hope that helps, uh, Buffalo. Uh, So, we got uh, Joe, the ACFT mech. On IG, <laughs> I'm glad you got that one because I, I was trying to figure out how to say his <laughs> name. This
2: beer is hitting me way too hard right now. Yeah.
0: Joe the AC FT Mech. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I've I've let us know how you say that. Yeah. So Joe, he's asking, what's a good affordable wood species for novice DIY furniture, and and we'll probably answer that and remove the word novice
0: even, right? Yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it makes a difference.
1: No you would know jeff
0: i'm gonna say for painted poplar and for um any type of uh natural finished cherry and why is cherry so cheap
1: now? <laughs> because
0: china doesn't want to buy cherry anymore <laughs> that's is that why yeah, yeah yeah i mean you could buy cherry for for almost the same price as poplar yeah it's, really it's yeah i right. mean it's a little bit more it's uh 50 60 percent more
1: for us it's it's very comparable yeah when you're buying uh
0: rough lumber it's prices um it's unbeatable
1: it wasn't always that way but right now joe um again as jeff stated uh china was buying so much hardwood and still probably does buy so much hardwood it affects the price of wood in the market here in the u.s and cherry just happens to be passe there in china so the price has has fallen dramatically so you've always thought about working um, with cherry and wanting to make something, you know, it's a gorgeous uh, native hardwood. It's easy to work. Um, And it's, it's typically, well, it has been so much more expensive in a, in a normalized market. So go out and grab yourself a couple hundred board feet. Yeah. Wasn't that like always like kind of like a, exotic
2: wood i mean well, not that's like exotic yeah like a, exotic, yeah, yeah, like a native end. sure yeah. yeah like people were like
0: oh that's that's what i want was like cherry
1: um quarter saw and white oak is is a lot more expensive now i yeah. was gonna
0: say now we see the rift on white oak which is eating up the quarter saw the riffs on market yeah is um i mean the price is insane because all of these again a lot of the man, cabinet manufacturing is going on in china yeah and in the in the 90s and the two, early 2000s there was a lot more cherry being used because it was People people it liked it more, yeah. Now yeah. people don't like it. Okay. Um. So they're buying up all the oak now, and we're seeing oak prices that are triple, quadruple what cherry is. Yeah. Wow. So
1: the and, and you know, and a little bit of an aside. Um. I know we harp on this all the time to you know shop locally, shop your small craftsmen that are that are making things here. Um. That's how. That's how your kitchen cabinets are made. That's where those factory built cabinets that people that advertise custom cabinets, et cetera, et cetera. Those are boxes that are all coming from China. Mm-hmm. That's how much wood they buy over there it, that it influences the market. Here That's crazy. On yeah.
0: just raw wood. Well, and we've talked about this before amongst ourselves. Like you buy a vanity at Home Depot that was made in China by someone who is not being treated well. We no. know that. That's first of all. Then it gets put on a boat, and then it lands in California or somewhere on the West mm-hmm. Coast, and it's shipped on a truck all the way to New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Then you go and you buy it for $200. Meanwhile, us here, we couldn't buy the material for 200 bucks. Right. right. There's no acclimation whatsoever
2: on <laughs> that. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, something, though, for that, that was, like, also, like, depending on the finish he wants. Yeah. You know, like, Poplar paint whatever the hell you want to mm-hmm. you can leave it in the sunlight and not have any problems but cherry will change colors yeah. If, oh yeah have left in you know if it's next to a window like if it's a, an end table or or yeah. a bookcase or something
1: mm-hmm. for some folks that's part of the charm for some yeah they might be surprised <laughs> yeah oh,
0: i love the way cherry looks yeah. after i mean the bed i built is uh the color now it's so nice yeah Yeah, it's it's only it's it's only been a year
2: yeah because you guys do everything natural i do everything painted so it's like Mm -hmm. if you want me to paint something you know that's (laughs) cherry whatever nothing's going to happen to it but if you want like a natural look then obviously like you got to keep in mind that cherry is going to have its characteristics that are going to change over time
0: yeah yeah a lot of woods maple is going to darken a little bit depending on the finish uh is going to turn from more red to more brown um I mean, maple, give it a hundred years or so. <laughs> yeah, it'll look like you something completely different.
1: <laughs> you won't recognize yeah. it. Ipe, Ipe doesn't know. change at all, though. No. Ipe
0: is just that fucking yeah. colorful. Not a big fan of uh, Ipe. It's
2: not good on the hands. It's not good for the lungs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You're super allergic to it, aren't you?
0: Yeah, even the sapeli and yeah. cedar, that kind of... Uh, a lot of
1: those tropical
2: woods. Yeah, the or...
0: oily kind of woods, they really bother me. Really? Mm-hmm.
2: I yeah, I remember we were doing that one job or whatever, and it was uh, I think it was EPA, was
0: it not? And you were just like uh, talking about Alberino? Because oh, when we did that pine, the pine ship lap, oh, that yeah. kills me too, because that's sort of a pitchy kind of oily yeah, yeah. not oily, but And that was fresh pine. Yeah, it was <laughs> wet. It all shrunk, <laughs> sopping. Uh we've got next. Uh Jack again. Jack Thornton. Top uh top commenter. Jack is I want to say he's from New Zealand. I don't want to misspeak, but he's he's uh he's from outside the US. Uh Jack asks, "What are your tips for applying wax after oil as a finish on furniture?" We do that all the time. Yeah, that's our go-to uh, finish is tongue oil and wax. Yeah. Uh my number one tip is go lightly. Yeah. What kind <laughs> of wax?
1: Well, a hand rub like it's usually carnauba big, yeah, wax. Bees carnauba kind of thing. Go lightly, Jack. Yeah. Um,
0: get ready to buff because that's the whole key is to just, you just, it's elbow grease. You got to yeah. really put it on light and just buff the hell out of it.
1: You, you know what I like is all those white uh, scrubby pads. I, I think they're like a oh, thousand. Like a yeah. Yeah. Get the white ones. They call it ultra fine
0: yeah i'm a, like a terry cloth man yeah. I like a, yeah. a, a you don't have like the festool buffer and <laughs> like <apply> it. <laughs> no i mean a we, use the, we use the we use the festal sander sometimes but it, it never comes it out it doesn't come out as good as by hand really yeah yeah, yeah. with the I rotex
1: back- i bet with the rotex yeah. it will come out right we haven't tried we have the rotex, i guess for wax now. coats but like,
2: i remember when i was finishing the guitar for you i was like my hand this sucks <laughs> So I, I called I called my buddy up who's a detail, you know, was a detail yeah, at the time. I was like, you gotta bring your buffer over here uh, real fast and uh hit this for me. Yeah. And then that was like a night and day finish. But I guess just wax coat's different.
0: Like again, I don't I don't really deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So
2: that's it's all new to me too.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh the the tongue oil leaves a pretty flat finish. It does. So once you put the wax on, I mean, if you look at it in a raking light, you get a real nice not a not a hard sheen, but a nice soft sheen. Yeah, something
2: something I've been I'm seeing, and something I'm actually doing right now is fixing uh, a friend of mine. You know, they paint their cabinet up uh,
1: with the chalk paint. It oh, seems like the yeah. seems
2: to be the new thing. A lot it's of like, wax
1: on top of that.
2: Yeah, and she's like, oh, I got to put a wax on. I'm like, I've never seen this before, and I'm like you know she didn't do it properly so i'm like now i'm fixing it with like conversion honors paint we're gonna put a flat top coat on it we're not gonna put the wax on it and do this and do that because you know somebody kind of like ill informed her about yeah.
1: how to do it yeah so I, usually it doesn't need that much i think that's the misconception that most beginners have is that they use too much yeah
0: just like you know it's like if you put oil on bare wood you see when it has yeah kind of like the covering. same like you wax your saw table right Or do not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
2: similar to that, like you put it on kind of light, and then really make sure that it's
0: buffed off of there. Yeah, because it it's only going to take so much, so you need to put just the the least amount possible. That's
1: well, that's what we tell people because they always want to know how to care for the furniture, and I always say just imagine dusting with almost like a moist towel, you know, just moistened with the wax, not not where you actually see little bits of it or anything like that yeah see i'm still learning
2: right
0: now yeah (laughs) (laughs) had to bring you in as a hired gun finisher yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) all right jack uh so let's see we're moving on to alec i i recognize Woodco on instagram alec now that you're selling plans how do you guys feel about other makers potentially selling your design do you feel putting them out should be purely for educational personal use or does the buyer have carte blanche to do whatever they want? <laughs> we dun, can't dun, control it. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm going to say legally <laughs> they have, they can do whatever they want, I guess, because we don't own a, uh, you know, there's any no sort of design right. patent yeah. or anything yeah. on the design, or we don't, you know, it's not a true intel, It's it's our intellectual property, um, but there's no legal backing behind it. No. Uh, it Could would you be.
2: Or is it here's not the worth thing
0: it? with the glue caps everybody says to me oh you need to get a patent let's say tight bond comes after us and says well we came up with this glue thing we've been working on it since 2010
3: mm-hmm.
0: we don't have a lawyer <laughs> yeah, we don't have right. the money to pay a lawyer <laughs> we don't so, so we lose the case patent. patent or not yeah you
2: have rich man rich will fight that to today <laughs> that, <laughs>
0: rich if you're listening let us know how you're feeling yeah yeah um he's got the pension to deal with you know he can help out with that that's true he's got the fat pension (laughs) um so yeah i mean should they sell it as their own design absolutely not and is it messed up and totally wrong yeah Yeah. uh but i mean there's nothing we can do about it no unfortunately, that's
1: it's a moral and ethical issue and we can't legislate or enforce you know those sorts of things um it's all good faith. Uh, this is Manny. You've probably seen this. Manny and I are both into building subwoofers mm-hmm. and uh, all that. And there are tons of guys that put you know all this effort into designing a subwoofer box. And the standard with those plans that they give away on the internet is this is for intended for personal use. You know, feel free to build four or so, but. Please do not sell these commercially. Yeah, I mean for, um, the, for the little guys, but obviously right. for the guys who have the money
2: to deal with the lawyers. Um,
1: and and really, what is it? They'll they'll say, "Oh, this is a great chair. We're going to make this, but we're going to change this little element of it." And you got like the Vanilla Ice uh, Queen, <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, I got see, I got this other pickup note from there. Here's the thing. <laughs>
0: If you can build the chair as well as we can build it, then yeah. you don't need our plans anyway. That's right. So you're either selling it as a knockoff, yeah. and something that's not as as uh, you know well done as what we would do. Yeah. Or um, we didn't invent the Adirondack chair. No, no. Or, yeah. It's no, just you just put your own
1: spin on it. Of it yeah. It's, you put your own spin on it. It's some plans to help somebody you know like me like getting into woodworking yeah or (laughs) even somebody who knows what they're doing just walk them through it so they don't have to figure it out yeah by themselves
0: yeah and i think most guys that are building stuff and you know to build that you need uh i mean it's not super difficult but you need a decent amount of skill to pull it off uh you know correctly um You probably have enough knowledge to just design something (laughs) yourself by that point. Yeah, if you could
1: commercially produce it. Yeah, you don't need to rip us off. (laughs) But uh, appreciate the, you know, the shout out.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, Alec. Yeah, uh, go to our website, check out. We have the plans for a craftsman style Adirondack chair.
1: Yeah, yeah, those probably are, uh, uh, in some respects, our most successful uh, little project because people are interested in it
0: for one of those weird reasons. (laughs) And with uh, the there's uh, plans for the ottoman as well, like the footstool yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Little side table. Why
2: don't you guys just start your own little woodshop class here? <laughs> we thought about that.
0: You should I, so, <laughs> sign me up right now. <laughs> with uh, with COVID and everything, a little yeah, difficult yeah. now. But
2: you, surprisingly enough, so the one shop that I'm always hanging out at in Tintin Falls, I'm not going to mention names, but there's a a woodshop class. And it's full force. Yeah, where they... Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, They. I know they, like, rent shop time over there and stuff. Too. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's, like, obviously to standards, I think, what, 10 people or something like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. But I'm over there late at night. Like, tonight I'm going to go there and guaranteed he's going to have 10 people there. Yeah. And I'm there late. You know,
0: they're there from 8 to 10 o'clock sometimes, sometimes later than that. Actually, funny, because I think it was Alec from Alhead uh, was asking me about that place because he had... Uh, he had a bunch of orders that he had to fulfill, and his his uh it was either his planer or his joiner. He was waiting for like a new a new oh, yeah, joiner yeah, head, yeah. and he was you know we we were all tied up at the time, and he was asking about that place if it was any good. But I had been you know I had been by it, but I had never been in there. Yeah, I I only met the guy one
2: time. I I really didn't meet him. I said, hello, hey, my name is Manning. Uh, you know my buddies have a shop next door to you in Tintin Falls. And that was it. But then, like hanging out at the shop and seeing like what he has going through there, you mm-hmm. know. Even even my my buddy and I have thought about just taking classes there. Because again, it's like for where I'm at, it's it's kind of hard to learn the basics because it's like you got yeah the new because it,
0: everything is so um, like it's already a job that's sold. So there's only so many tasks that need to be yeah, and there's only so much time allowed for you to.
2: Learn it and make those mistakes and yeah. and figure out what needs to be done. But I, you know, I have been heavily considering it. Like, you know, it's it's hard to find a place to teach you woodworking. Yeah, and even working in a wood shop, it's it's crazy how much you you don't learn, mm-hmm. depending on you know what it is. Like for me, it, I'm stuck doing finishing most of the time. Like, granted, I'm finally getting into like more assembly, more this, more that. But like, if you told me to cut up a kitchen, I'd be clueless. If you told me to do you
0: know, a lot of other things I'd be clueless, but... uh And that's the thing with us, like, there's so many different aspects of woodworking, and because uh everything we do is so purpose-built, like, we're always running into new... new uh, techniques and situations that we need to figure out how to do. So, it's like, we're always learning something new on every single yeah, job, because yeah. it's all so um different.
2: Yeah. I mean, when I was at the CNC place, it was nice, because they kind of a lot of that time to learn Mm -hmm. versus where I'm at again now where it's very hard to get that time to learn versus where you're just good at this. Go back to that. Right. And it's, you know, it it kind of sucks, but at the same time, it's like, I guess it makes sense. You guys
0: talking about the CNC machine? No, Uh, no, we're still on the uh, plan selling, but Uh, I have to use the restroom. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I was just going to ask the same thing. It's some about this beer, man. Yeah, it just this is why I don't drink. Is because the minute I start getting any kind of beer in me, it's just a never ending right through, right, right to the to the bathroom. Yeah, it is a good so, beer though.
1: Yeah, and we're enjoying this. Um, so we'll keep things moving. Um, in Jeff's absence, I'm gonna uh, take over the question from Blue Fig Audison on Instagram. I like that name, Blue Fig. My question is about CNC machines we're growing like crazy. Hey, kudos to you. That's awesome. To what I would say is a semi production level. Okay. We're growing like crazy to what I would say is a semi production level. Where, how, and when do you start? Should we outsource? We have the space for a four by eight and have fusion 360, but no idea how to use it. Also, interior corner glue squeeze out. How do you deal with it? That's All right. So it's a multi layer <laughs> question. They want to know about CNC machines and uh, that's how a, to integrate it. That's a it. full
2: 180 question right there. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that's a full 180. <laughs> you go from like the most technically advanced
1: thing to, yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Well, I, you know, we could talk about like, when do you think you should start? Then there's the, you know, trying to integrate Fusion 360. There's the 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 mechanical. You good. And cool. using uh, yeah. a CNC machine. And that's really your expertise. Yeah. Manny. Well, I was going to say, if you don't mind, do you do you want to take the
2: glue part <laughs> real fast <laughs> so I can use the restroom and then we'll talk oh, about yeah. the CNC? Yeah. It's cold out there. Uh, yeah. I'm going to dive real fast. We'll be right back.
0: So uh, we got an early winter here in New Jersey. <laughs> it's like thir- yeah. uh, 30 degrees out right now. Yeah. Or yeah. So Jeff, how do we deal
1: with the interior corner glue squeeze out? We just built all those little frames.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, who's it? Blue Blue Fig is that his name? Yeah, Blue Fig artisan. We were talking last night. Nice guy. Um, So what I do is I try and and hit it right on assembly. Um, So what I did with these uh, window grill frames that I was gluing up is I just had a uh, sort of like a bum chisel and I would glue it up. uh, You know. First step is to try not to get that much squeeze out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so head it off at the pass
1: that's exactly what i was going to say head it off at the pass
0: and then you know leave the squeeze out that's going to be sanded off because you don't really have to worry about it yeah the bugs are insane in here today i'm not sure why um so like on the the face of the joint that's going to get sanded regardless uh even if the joint is perfectly flush it's going to get sanded so don't worry about that and just focus on those little inside you know uh on a fillet whatever and try and clean that off, uh, you know, right away.
1: Yeah, how do you feel about the the letting it gel up method?
0: Yeah, I do that too. Depending right. on, um, you know, how many things I'm assembling, how much squeeze out there's going to be. Yeah, like in the inside corner of a drawer or something like that. I think the gel up is a is a yeah. real good or yeah. on like a, a tabletop glue up or a, uh, um, a panel glue up. Letting it gel I, up I, helps
1: i really prefer the letting it gel up method but i tell you where i always fail is that i'll be going yeah i'm gonna come back to that in like 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes when it's gelled up yeah <laughs> you know you, you're on to the next assignment and it's like oh hell it's all you know yeah, you, yeah. you miss your that perfect mm-hmm. timing where it'll just peel off like a little piece of tape
0: yeah well you hear me all the time Siri. <laughs> set a timer for 15 minutes <laughs> that's right <laughs> then 15 minutes i go back i'll scrape it off (laughs) but i
1: did the same thing like that the table for the Mm -hmm. for the trailer
0: (laughs) yeah see for like for like little moldings and stuff like uh like we were just doing that i i really like to get off right away yeah because when you let it gel up there is that chance that you're going to take some wood fiber up or um or it's going to leave just like a little bit of glue residue yeah, so if it's not excess, easily accessible to be sanded um i yeah i try and get it off as soon as possible <laughs> some people use like a wet toothbrush stuff like that uh that's more of like a i'd say like an interior trim technique yeah um but yeah i say attack it as as soon as possible
1: all right so let's get into the meat of this question oh um You're cold working. right <laughs> as
0: Man, soon as the geez. sun goes down it gets yeah. cold
1: yeah, we're in here in shorts, but it's cold outside. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you, you know you what? You
0: get to wear shorts to work. When we're working, the shop gets so hot. <laughs> but then as soon as you sit down for lunch or you stop, cold. You get it gets cold. Chill, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chill, yeah, Well, I sent you a picture today
2: of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, was it 52 degrees? 52 degrees. And yeah. then you sit down for lunch, and then it becomes 40 degrees. It's good for the wood, right? The yeah. low... It's good for the soul. Yeah, <laughs> the low
1: temperature. And then yeah, you put it builds a nice, character, I think. Nice yeah, a hot house. <laughs> <laughs> so so blue fig they're so busy and they're they've got the space for a four by eight so they don't have it yet and they're thinking about going to cnc mm-hmm. um i'm guessing that he's talking about like cutting cabinet sides and everything do you know anything? Uh, they about actually that?
0: they make um custom hoods oh so range like range hoods. range hoods, yeah.
1: Okay. So it'd be like just cutting out parts from the
0: Yeah, they do like yeah. some curved stuff and um yeah. Yeah, I mean all kinds of different and and uh they do other stuff as well, but I think that's the main focus but of the that's business. That's what they're aiming yeah. at, yeah. So how and when do you start?
1: So yeah, that's when well, you feel confident, I guess. Yeah, there's gonna be some downtime. I mean, you're gonna have that learning curve mm-hmm. and there's gonna be a whole adjustment of how you process your parts because you know everything's got to be laid out you know on a sheet and um you know you're gonna have to get used to how much waste there is and all those other things yeah and um, god forbid there's anything uh flip mill so flip
2: milling is when the part is two-sided ah. and you start off on one side of it and then you have to flip it over and register mm-hmm. it registered or mirror it to whatever it may be so whether it's just you have to fully cut something out but one side has holes on it for something or design on it for something but the other side has something totally different uh, but you have to keep within that same thing you know
1: it's man why don't you talk a little bit about some of the intricacies of of cutting and and working with a cnc like that maybe people don't envision i think the the inexperienced person thinks of it as this sort of magical thing where you put a piece of wood on it it's and not. parts come out. It's not. Yeah, it's I was not gonna say like,
0: what's what are the misnomers because people think it's just like I thought, you have it, a was CNC, you, I thought it was too. It's easy. You yeah. just
2: program it and let it go. I had that same mentality when I started. I was like, oh shit, this is gonna be exciting. It's a CNC. Like granted, I wasn't doing the program side of it. So I mean, there's there's the two halves to the CNC work is the programming and then the operating side. Of right. it. So he's I was on the operating side of it. And uh yeah, no, it's nothing like you thought it was. <laughs> it's uh Tell it's, us. it's Tell a us ha- it's a handful. What? So to I mean to his question it's like you know, he's he's what does he say? Like uh he's and busy I, and he's thinking But I have that no idea gonna... how to use it. So yeah. it's like does he not know how to use the CNC yet or does he not know how to use Fusion 360?
0: Yeah, I think he's saying he has fusion, but he has no he he doesn't know how to draw within fu- fusion. Well, I
2: would say the the first and foremost thing is learn one hundred percent how to design yeah. in fusion. Yeah. And then I don't know if it's fusion. I but I think fusion talks to the machine. So I guess it yeah. depends on the machine. So for the people that don't know, is like Just because you have Fusion or SketchUp. SketchUp doesn't just talk directly to a CNC machine. You need another machine or another operating source to then talk to that machine. And so you learn the first step, which is, designing it. So you guys are great with your design and SketchUp and mm-hmm. uh you you got do you know Mosaic too? I know you no, know Mosaic. Uh, we're Mosaic we're into is sketch up. Yeah. Oh okay. So yeah. So Gaps you know the design thing. Guy. But then there's the whole
0: other element of feeds and speeds. Right. And tooling. Yeah. And it's one thing to design a piece of furniture in fusion and another to design the the tooling paths <laughs> Yeah, which is yeah. to do that
2: as well. <laughs> it's something totally, <laughs> yeah. totally different. Um yeah, so before you even think about getting the CNC, I mean, unless you have a lot of money, you get the CNC and, (laughs) and start with something small, but you got to learn, you got to learn fusion 360. And then you have to learn the feeds and speeds for stuff. Yeah. And then from that grow, because Mm -hmm. just, my first day i had to operate that cnc machine and it was the scariest fucking thing ever just <laughs> just oh uh, just hitting this button or setting the z so setting the z is when you know your, your tool comes down and you have to set it to the spoil board or the tabletop you know yeah. the spoil board is what they call it or set it to the piece and if you're off by a thousandth of an inch it could be catastrophic mm-hmm. so say it, that again it, catastrophic no
1: the the whole Thing if
2: yeah, you're off by how much? A thousandth of an inch. Thousandths of okay. an inch. There's so, there's so much involved with a thousandth of an inch in a CNC. So basic cabinetry, what basic tolerances are what thirty second yeah, to a sixteenth. Yeah, yeah, CNC machine is like thousands to a couple thousands of an inch. Depends
0: so, on the shop too. Yeah. I think at uh at that, that one guy's shop it might be more than a sixteenth. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll so, let it half an inch fly here and there. Let's
1: take this. A hypothetical example i know fusion 360 backwards and forwards and i'm i'm getting my feet wet i on uh, feeds and speeds and all the bit changes and everything that has to happen i think i'm about ready now you got to go now, out to the machine tell me what's going on how is this going to improve my efficiency in the shop so and will it Yeah, well, so
2: you so you know your feeds and speeds, but now you got to learn your tools. Right, you got to learn your end mills, your ball end mills. You got to learn your flutes and your your cutout tools and everything else. So it's like, now you learn fusion. Now you learn your feeds and speeds. Now you have to learn your tools because if you don't know anything about your tools, you know if you're gonna make a cutout
1: pass on something, it could completely destroy the part. And now I've got that. Mm -hmm. So. I tossed my 4 by 8 sheet of uh, Baltic birch onto the machine. Which is heavy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and now what? And then I I pressed I got do I just press start and magic happens? No. I I mean
2: I don't I don't know. I can't say for all machines, but I worked on uh Shop Saber or Shop Sabery machine, so those I those pretty are, m- Those
1: were nice machines. Yeah. I was super yeah. nice. Yeah, so yeah, like we
2: 100,000 $100, dollar machines. I th- uh it, the the 6 by 12 I think was probably around like the $90,000 range, which again, scary as shit your first day. And it's like, you got to operate behind this thing. But, uh, yeah. So I primarily operated on a six by 12 because mm-hmm. they did a lot of custom one off oversized things that you guys know. But, um, no, you don't just hit start, you know, you, you, I guess to a degree, I mean, yeah, you got to find your files depending on like, so we had a programmer. So the programmer would set out all these different files depending on what the job was, which is also a very important thing to do is making sure that you don't just bundle everything up into one program because God forbid something goes wrong. It goes wrong <laughs> versus you have different files to do different things. So you you, I would want to break it down into steps. I think how like most people would want to break it down into steps. Especially if you have to leave or to do something, because sometimes I've sat behind that CNC machine for eight plus hours at a time, you know, just to do one program. And then there were still programs to follow it.
0: It's the same thing with the 3D printing, which is, you know, it's additive versus subtractive like CNC uh, milling. But, you know, I, I could set up a print of, let's say, 75 of the, the glue caps or two parts, 75 of the one part. Yeah. It may be a 16 hour print. One glue cap could go bad at 14 hours and it would destroy the entire thing. Yeah. that And that's
2: the troublesome part about like CNC work. It's like, so I know a lot of guys now will set up cameras, mm-hmm. like multiple cameras. Like if you know your program is going to be running for hours on end, it may not be cost effective if you're in a shop to sit there and watch it. Especially if you're a one man shop and you have multiple things going on. So setting up cameras to be able to constantly watch that footage while you're still multitasking would be first and foremost probably a very beneficial thing unless you have the money to pay someone to stand there for Mm -hmm. eight hours or however many hours it may be. But yeah, I mean, learning learning the fusion, learning the feeds and speeds because ultimately you can design whatever you want to design, but if you go and program something to run at X amount and do X amount, nothing is going to come out or something may come out. And then you're going to spend more money fixing that or, or finishing that than it was for you to even have the CNC in the first place. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's, it sounds like it's a lot better of an idea than in reality and practice. I mean, I think what some people wind up doing is, uh, taking the money, buying the machine and then hiring people that are, uh, Experts, I guess. I, I guess, it, 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 but then they're holding you yeah, hostage. That's
0: what I was gonna say. Uh, yeah,
1: because you wind up being busy and you don't have the time. You go into it planning to learn from your expert that you're paying. The <laughs> only thing is, you still have your job to do. You never get to that learning stage, and and when that person either needs a raise or wants to leave for a different job, yeah. you're left. Yeah, you know, plus helpless. you 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 mentally have to have, like,
2: you know, like, for instance, if you're with a boss and you hire me to run mm-hmm. your CNC machine, you have to put that trust into somebody. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. and, and this happened to me in a couple times, you know, I've never personally crashed the machine, but yeah, I've ran the wrong program and there goes thousands of dollars worth of time and, and, and stuff gone and mm-hmm. you have to redo it. There's no starting over. No matter what. You know, with a CNC machine, the difference between you working with your hands and the machine working is, you know, when you're about to do something wrong, nine (laughs) out of 10 (laughs) times, (laughs) the CNC machine, especially if you're on the other end of it. So again, I didn't do the programming. I don't know what I'm doing for the most part to it, like a certain degree, I would say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have to
1: trust the program. I've
2: ran a full three, four hour long program and was like, fuck, that was the wrong program. And that's, Completely shot, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but then it's also the same time. It's like if if you don't know what's going on and you just hire somebody to, to, you know, input these settings and stand there and watch it. And if they don't know what they're watching out for, then what's the CNC doing? It's costing you money.
1: It's not making money. Yeah. Um, So what do we tell Blue Fig? I mean, you've heard us talk about the ups and downs. I would say... if you're doing simple stuff,
2: maybe, but be prepared to spend a lot of money up front. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's going to be a lot of money up front, obviously, for the machine and the programming time and, and everything else, but there's going to be
1: mistakes to be made. And yeah. and the bits and the tooling is is not cheap. So you might be better off trying to outsource if, if that's what you're looking at, if that's acceptable to you.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, um, I mean, if you have the space you need to be in the position where you're potentially losing money because you can't keep up. Yeah. Um, to justify that investment because it's not just the CNC, it's the dust collection that you need. Because oh yeah. Which I that's a super you, important part. your dust collection system that you have now isn't going to be able to pick nope. up this, you know, isn't going to be able to handle the CNC on top of it. It's the programming. I think it's a good idea to hire somebody that knows how to run the CNC and, and give that to them exclusively because, um, you know, let's say you're the owner of the company and you don't work at a bench. Do you? Do you? Um, you know everything that the benchman is doing. Do you know everything that the finisher is doing? No. You hire someone and you trust them to do their job. Yeah. Um, you have the business to to worry about. That's so right. don't worry about the CNC. Which is a full time
1: job. Right. If you're gonna <laughs> run a CNC,
0: you need to invest in a CNC, the proper dust collection, the proper tooling, the proper person to run the CNC. Yeah. Otherwise, it's um. You know, it's not a uh, a magic pill. No. Yeah, and
2: it's it's one of those investments that will either make it or break it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: we know a few paperweights
1: out there, big paperweights. Yeah, yeah and it, and
2: it sucks, but it, it's at the same time, it's like again, if you're maybe doing simple stuff, yeah, like maybe like little tiny corbels without like a ton of inc- in, you know intricacy to them. Like, all right, maybe that's a different story. And a
1: ton but of repetitive stuff. If
2: you're doing that kind of stuff once you've learned it and worked out the bugs and major few mistakes sure Mm. but starting off the the question as not even knowing fusion 360 learn it
0: because i have fusion 360 and i still am baffled at it yeah and or hand it off yeah yeah it may not be worth your time investment that's right yeah so you might have to pony up the cash up front to make it worthwhile yeah Yeah.
2: that that sounds something more of like a hobbyist type thing versus a business type thing if you can hire somebody that has operated a cnc and and understands programming to like almost the fullest then it might be a better business opportunity but if you're trying to do it by yourself you know spend the money to, They're to outsource be a well-paid it
1: well-paid employee oh yeah i
2: mean yeah
0: because programmers are are a breed of their own yeah you know yeah, i mean you get a guy that can run a cnc everybody be driving mercedes <laughs> <laughs> red ones <laughs> That's an inside joke. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know that one, so.
1: (laughs) Take our word for it. Well, well, yeah,
0: I mean, we're not the CNC experts. I mean, Manny Manny, uh, knows way more than us. But Yeah,
1: he's he's run one.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, look at it logically as you would any other business decision Mm -hmm. in terms of investment, you know, uh, return on investment. Yeah. And go from there. Because,
2: I mean, I went into the environment where you know the the boss already had the experience right. he already went through all the the trials and everything yes. else and then he had the money to hire somebody who went to a cnc school was trained by that then which could then teach so you already see how much money is being involved right. with just introducing the idea of a cnc it takes a while to make that money back. yeah yeah and yeah. you're
0: working with an, an experienced team and mistakes and and they're not things cheap mistakes. Still happen. They're so. not cheap mistakes, too. Yeah. Going in as a novice on a four by eight, you know, you may be setting yourself up for disaster. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just just so you know, Manny worked at a shop that was that was a CNC shop. That yeah. was what they did. Two, All CNC work. Yeah, yeah, two
2: CNCs and a uh, six or seven axis robotic arm to yeah. do. Yeah crazy sculpture work that was like
0: bread and butter a lot of like art you know real art heavy sort of projects yeah really one-off stuff
2: where it would take hundreds and hundreds or if not thousands and thousands of man hours where it's maybe a couple of hours on a CNC and a little bit of elbow grease to, mm-hmm. to finish things off. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other thing too, is like, you think CNC, it's like one and done. No, there's a lot involved after the CNC, the CNC <laughs> does, right. the CNC does one part of it, but depending on what you're doing, there's still the whole, you got to sand stuff afterwards. There's still mill marks to get out of things. There's still this, there's still that. So it's like, CNC's are a weird thing, man. You you
1: really have to know what you
2: want and what you're going to be doing if it's something that you want,
1: yeah, your you know? expectations may be out of line with reality, even yeah. in the best
0: circumstances. Yeah. And we spoke about efficiency before. These gnats are insane. Yeah. Um, it's something with this beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they popped up like this week. Um, you know, we talked about efficiency before. You may see more of a payoff in just trimming the fat in your current operation mm-hmm. and finding out more efficient ways to do what you're already doing. Just making yeah. a jig. Like, yeah. I know you guys
2: love your jigs. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if you don't have a jig available, or there's not a jig available if if the opportunity is there to make one make one and refine that to the yeah. fullest and just be proficient with that
1: maybe another table so i mean i have no idea what the yeah i was going to say you're, let's say you're
0: you're building curved hoods you buy a dedicated shaper with right. a with a uh, one of the big multi cutter um, flush trim bits yeah, and get some nice router. yeah nice temp uh, make some nice uh, router templates with toggle clamps and handles and you may see tenfold the dividend than you will on a CNC oh, yeah. because yeah. You know. you're looking at a a hundred and fifty thousand dollar investment with a CNC if you're going to buy a real deal Up CNC dust that's collection. just
1: that's just to have that that product in front of you well, maybe that's nothing year by the time it's you know a hundred percent unless you brought in people from outside yeah
0: that's not break, and that's not hiring a programmer or anybody that's yeah. just to get the machinery and the maintenance involved on them there's a yeah. lot of maintenance involved yeah. there's a lot of
2: upkeep involved and if you're the kind of person that's like i'll get to it next week or i'll get to it tomorrow it's just going to be money 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 money
0: you yeah. know and if you're going to make the investment you got to look at uh, multi spindle or yeah. tool or uh what do they call the uh the tool change, like automatic tool change. Yeah, so that that's what I
2: operated was uh you know, that it's programmed where there's all these you know, we had ten different options. So the spindle would go back and depending on the program, it would pick up the tool that it would mm-hmm. need versus the 4 x 8 we had where we had to manually change that so like that's another huge thing too is the <laughs> the auto change feature which is uh, it, it it I think it's like a 10 to 20 and more you know difference in cost yeah. it's like the four bay, yeah so again the 4x8 <laughs> the 4-way we used for really quick stuff like we just need to cut out squares and something and maybe put a little hole in something but when it came to jobs it Table was stuff. like <laughs> yeah a table saw and a jigsaw uh skill saw drill but uh yeah it, it came down to the 6 by 12 machine and that thing was you know it was a monster but again it's it's a lot of money invested into it and it there's a lot a lot of care involved i mean having yeah. all those tools loaded making sure that if the program is Ready for tool two that you don't accidentally grab tool three. The thing too is we, and this was another big problem. I, I personally never had this happen to me, but tools that are too long for the tool table, so you have to manually change those. And if you forget that in your program, you and it run into, oh, it there's a lot involved. CNCs is just, if, <laughs> if you have the money,
0: sure. Think it over, Bluefin. Yeah. Think it over.
1: Oh. All
0: right, they
2: are fun though, Bluefin. So if you can operate yeah. one, it, it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, you got a fat pension like uh like Rich's rich? wife. Yeah, go for it. Play that right. or just find a shop near you that's
2: hiring. Try it out, and then go from there. They yeah. might
1: have something. They might have a CNC machine in there already with like a bunch of stuff piled on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah we no, could right. probably find you one for cheap. you. Got
2: to you. Got to find someone though that likes standing there. It runs doing on that. DOS, but yeah, yeah. To, it's Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: linked to an old uh, AOL 2.0 account. <laughs> yeah. it takes dial-up. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Um, I know we're going on and on we with this question, rest. but um, maybe get yourself like a small x carve or like a a, a, a hobbyist kind of cNC a two by two or something like that and mess around and see yeah. if it's worth the while because those you can sell um, you know for a relatively good price <laughs> it's yeah. cheap yeah. you're the talking about a thousand dollar fifteen hundred dollar investment yeah. play around learn fusion and and weigh your options if you're going to sink you know a 200 yeah. k into a into yeah. a tool
2: and you go through a bits a lot. So it's a lot of money and yeah. you have to, you have to bill for it. If you're the kind of person that bills for bare minimum and you know, you're spending that amount in just material and everything else you're, you're going to go under faster than you thought.
0: Yeah. That's why you see a CNC shop has a $1,200, $1,500, $2,000 minimum. Even if it's, you're cutting out a, you want an eight by 11 square, 1500 bucks because yeah. you've got to pay for the tooling, the maintenance, the programmer, the operator
2: yeah and if you could do everything all in one then that's a totally different story but you know it's a big investment and uh definitely learn your programming before you even think uh, about any kind uh, of machine
1: last thing blue fig come in off the ledge <laughs> yes i mean are we discouraging
2: listen i mean it was fun it's great and it can definitely speed things up but if it's
1: something you're getting new to there's no
2: proficiency in it whatsoever. Yeah,
1: it's not an easy, quick fix. No, it's, it's yeah. not. It's an investment in huge amounts of time and money, patience. And if he's a shop owner, which it sounds like he is,
2: it's like yeah. once you've learned it and and got a grasp of it, being able to put your trust into somebody else because you're the owner, you can't be sitting there behind yeah. that thing. Yeah. So you got to find someone that's going to want to sit there and do that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, last Sorry to drag question. That one on. <laughs> This one's this one's definitely in Jeff's wheelhouse. I'll I'll ask it then. It's from Dave. Piece of wood. Uh, piece being P E A C E. Oh yeah. Uh, how nice on Instagram. In your experience, how much strength do mechanical fasteners add to small miters? We we just yeah. did many of those. When I'm doing exterior trim, I've always shot 15 or 18 gauge nails to hold my miters. Just curious. What your thoughts are on glue joint versus glue with a screw or, uh, in uh, Dave's case, Brad, um, what's the difference in the, in the strength of those joints?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, so Dave sent this over uh, this morning. I put a little story up. I was uh, putting a, uh, a six-by-one-inch stainless screw in the, you know, back up the miters in these frames that we built. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, a miter is a very weak joint. You know, without some sort of mechanical fastener, you know, the glue surface, unless you're doing like a double gluing where you seal the end grain and it's always it's going to be the really the weakest glue joint that you can possibly have. Um, so anytime that you can add a mecha- a mechanical fastener, you're going to be better off uh, in my opinion a screw i mean not even my opinion physics opinion a screw is is a better choice you mean einstein <laughs> yeah yeah einstein you know, have the this. uh the ramp uh, effect <laughs> um so yeah i like to use a screw if i can um my qualm with the brad nail is that you know sapili is pretty straight grain it's pretty predictable but with uh you know some other woods you may not know where that nail is going to end up you know, we've all shot the nail and then <laughs> into
2: our fingers. Yeah, it, has, <laughs> it hasn't happened to me yet.
0: I uh, thank, thank God <laughs> about two years ago. I forget which thumb piece of white oak, a two inch right in the bottom, out the top. I, I was there. Yeah, I mean, took I wonder
2: how you guys did that, because I, I make sure my hands out of the way. Like it's
1: the nail hits something. No, I know it comes out because, I,
2: you know, I'm still assembling cabinets and I see the nail come out. But I'm like, why is your hand there? I guess yeah, it depends. Sometimes you you're just,
1: especially with a miter, yeah, you're,
2: you're trying to hold
0: it. it in that perfect spot, yeah, and hold it tight enough where the the force of the nail doesn't open it up. Um, what about a s- scarf joint? That's where it's like really overlapped. Yeah, right? yeah. A scarf joint is like a uh, making, basically like joining two pieces to make a longer piece of the same. It's just a long ass miter, is it not? Uh, in a sense, no. Sideways. I so it's mean, like, a, they, yeah.
1: they use it on the side of a boat. You know, you know, a plank of a boat. Okay. So you have this board running along the side of the boat, and then they would bring another board in. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being a butt joint between those two boards,
2: yeah, because there's they, a, there's a lot more tension there for for it to grab and stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, like surface area. If, if you're doing crown molding or baseboard on a wall that was longer than 16 feet, you'd have to scarf joint two pieces together. Mm-hmm. So, like me, I would cut it at a 22 and a half degree, so not quite. As long as like a 45 degree miter, but you know, it gives you more glue surface. And, um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you can add a mechanical fastener, it's definitely gonna help. You know, these are very small moldings and they have to be moved around (laughs) a lot. Uh, so because
1: they're grills, they're essentially removable separate pieces. Yeah.
0: And I'm not so worried about once they get up on the windows. I'm worried about between now and delivery, <laughs> so I don't want to paint these things, and all of a sudden, the miter wants to open up because the glue joint wasn't yeah. 100% perfect. Oh, right. God. <laughs> um, so it's PTSD. just like, a, a, <laughs> yeah, it's just a little bit of insurance to ensure that they're going to, you know, make it to the house, you yeah. know, in the best, you know, in perfect shape.
1: And it's a, there's a great spot for it to be hidden, so why not? Yeah. It's not like you have we have to patch over that or fill it or anything like that
0: yeah so. um yeah and especially in exterior stuff like you know like you're talking about there's more movement outside mm-hmm. so uh, a mechanical yeah. fastener is going to do a better on job on that right.
1: window they're gonna it's gonna feel the cold there on the one side yep and
0: everything. all right yeah and uh yeah i mean i like screws so yeah that's my opinion all right phillips this
1: last question yeah. <laughs> i thought it was the last question i don't know it's it's if this is real or not. Brian from Slateware on Instagram he wants to know how many foot jokes we can think of. I guess that's a reference to our uh, departed, fallen comrade. Yeah, our fallen comrade. That's a good way to put it. Rich had his arch repaired and uh, um, some work on one of his tendons, too.
0: Yeah. I think what they reattached a tendon.
1: Yeah. That or he's
2: trying to mock people with foot fetishes. One of yeah. Friends. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, we, we had to look a few up on. Uh, on the internet, but they were all so long we couldn't remember it It was
0: painful, yeah oh, there was one one good one that stuck out, but I forget exactly how it went. was it the stubby one? which one was it? Oh, yeah, something yeah. about a phone call or something
1: yeah you not see- the sandwich what was the sandwich one? oh yeah, um, what do you call what do you call when you put two pieces of bread around your foot <laughs> <I can't>. <laughs> <laughs> a below knee sandwich. <laughs> And tish. that's
0: a dad joke, if I've ever. Heard that's a one. toilet joke. That's yeah. you're
1: drunk on the toilet at home, trying to think of something funny <laughs> to say. Thank you for that visual. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the answer to
0: that question is one, yeah. barely. Well, if any of you guys have a good foot joke out there, <laughs> shoot Rich a message. I'm yeah. sure he could use the company. He's stuck at home, yeah. Yeah, with Instagram. his wife. This sounds like it's going to go over PG thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Rich. Rich got a. He's an adult. Yeah, he's got an adult sense of humor, I'd say, like us. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, reach out to Rich. Send him a message.
1: All right. That brings us to the beer of the week. Yeah. What
0: are our thoughts? Voodoo Ranger by New Belgium. This is uh, a... Uh, it was a pretty popular, like, craft brewery when all these, you know, when craft beer sort of got big, and they, uh, you know, I read down here, Asheville, North Carolina. So they were originally in Fort Collins, Colorado, and they have another one in Asheville. So I'm wondering uh, which version we got. What's Probably Asheville.
2: Content? Yeah. Oh, 9%. Is it really? Jesus. Wow. I was wondering why. I was like, I mean, granted, I know like one beer for me usually. Like, yeah, so that's one like Corona is like, I'm good. Yeah, so that's like <laughs> drinking like two two Bud Lights. I was going to show up with some High Life or something, you know?
0: Shout out to uh, MC Carpentry. Mike was drinking, uh, what was it? Was it Colt 45 but like but the more alcoholic version Col- i think that was my first English? drink ever yeah. no, well it's like a, there's like hurricane high gravity which and so whatever like the Colt 45 version of that is uh, i'm not sure if mike listens but mike's a he's a trip what was your first beer oh i don't i mean you know like as a kid your parents give you like a sip of beer you know and Not mine, but anyways, yes. (laughs) I feel like a lot of people had that rite of passage, like with their dad. Yeah. In high school, like it was Keystone Light was what everybody, you know, had somebody buy them. What about you? You probably had something crazy.
1: Was it just moonshine right off the bat, or? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, there was no craft beer back then. Yeah. Yeah. This whole um, IPA thing is crazy now. Yeah, I I didn't. I didn't drink uh, as a high schooler much, but I do remember. You Know those few occasions that I can't remember, kind of things, <laughs> yeah. you know, where <laughs> yeah, I, I was an all or nothing kind of guy. I only have one of those, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> thankfully, well, I've, had,
0: I've had more than I can, yeah. yeah well, you were a bartender, we, yeah, we, let's get back. To I mean, here. We, I went to West we Virginia University.
1: <laughs>
2: well, what was your first beer? My first beer, I think, was a was a, a forty original forty. Oh O-E. god! Old know, and I was seventeen. I yeah. never had beer before yeah. seventeen. Like I never wanted to try it. And uh, I was hanging out with some sketchy people, and <laughs> you know, he was like, "Listen, man, you you need to try this." And he 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 gifted me a forty of OE, and I was like, "All right, cool." You know, and that's that was my first one. So yeah, and
0: that's not even beer. That's malt liquor. That's yeah. like stronger than
2: regular yeah. beer. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the that is. At least it never turned into anything yeah. super super
1: bad. That's so. true. So Manny, what'd you think of uh, the Voodoo Ranger? It was actually good.
2: I've never. I think I've tried like a, a sip of an IPA at one point. I don't know what what the hell it was. Or so many of them, but yeah. Uh, for someone who doesn't drink, I could drink it. Yeah. I was actually thinking about asking for another one, but then I'd realize yeah. it was nine yeah, percent, right and I'm we'll got a long it, night we'll ahead send you of you me. you home with one. You could. Yeah. I'll it in take fridge. one for home. Yeah. yeah. Go good yeah. with a cigar tonight. That'd yeah. be the way Ooh, to go. Yeah. Well
1: as i said uh, i picked this up because the label just spoke to me it's got that cool skull head in the uh like air force bomber
0: uh hat with yeah, the glasses or goggles a gold tooth yeah he has yeah. a patch of a hamburger on um, his uh shoulder yeah i
1: i didn't know that the name of the company was new belgium i just saw voodoo i saw the word belgium i'd been to belgium and really enjoyed my time there and I know we had a few IPAs so I said hey why look around yeah just pick it pulled up pulled the right? six pack right out and uh I liked it it you know it didn't taste at all like the other IPAs that we had
0: did it we- uh no it's like I'd say more on the uh not sweet but more on the sweet side as you know we've had a lot of like those west coast kind of mm-hmm. IPAs that are real citrusy and dry I um, yeah
2: I, I don't know I don't know the lingo but I to me, it was like a fresh soda almost, like carbonated tasting.
0: Yeah, it was very carbonated, and it was very cold. I don't know yeah. if because the fridge is on the outside. <laughs> yeah. well, I was shivering was, <laughs> when I was drinking. I was
2: like, uh, like hopefully the camera doesn't pick it up like I'm sitting here. like.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see, I came back. I went to the bathroom. I had to put my sweatshirt on. Uh, doesn't taste like 9% alcohol. I, I would have figured it was yeah. like 5 Yeah, I didn't realize that either until we just
1: discovered that all yeah. together there. But good, good beer. I drink right. it again. Yeah, three thumbs up for the Voodoo yeah. Ranger. I, I would, I would definitely give it a thumbs up. Right. So. so Movember, we talked about that. We just want to reinforce. Yeah, we're uh, running
0: out of time. It's uh, two weeks left in the.
1: Oh my God, we didn't. You know, what we, we didn't get to the tool of the week. Oh
0: man, we're getting. It's an. I got an easy one. If <laughs> want to sneak it in there real fast. Come on. Did I even it I put? It. Oh no, it is on here. Rich, listen, man. We're falling apart without you over here.
1: <laughs> How'd we not get to the tool of the week?
0: All right.
2: This is just a tease for you because I know how much you oh! love it. I know how much you love it.
0: I know. See, I don't own it. one. I would try it out, but that's actually know. not the
1: tool of the week. I just uh, had to
0: uh the Pallini pocket rule. How, by why you hate it so much? I like it. I I just I don't I want a big reference surface on any sort of square. The reference surface is too small for me. See, but I use it for quick
2: marking out. Yeah, you know, yeah. and the other the other really handy part about that one versus like other one other things out there, but they have multiple versions. Mm-hmm. Is the eighth inch thickness? Mm-hmm. So setting in drawer slides and this and that, it's nice. like it's automatically an eighth inch, or they have the sixteenth. But my actual tool of the week was. Oh,
1: I've uh, seen the commercial yeah. is that for the, this.
2: The ridge, the grip six, grip belt. six. Yep. Yeah, oh no, ridge is a wallet. Bridge is a wallet, yeah, yeah. So,
1: how do you like this?
2: Uh, well, I know like you guys love your aprons, and I love the apron too. And, but... so to say, what is it, Manny, for everybody that's not watching? So, it's a very convenient, lightweight, awesome belt, yeah. uh, American made, USA made. What's the I name know? of it again?
0: Grip six, Grip six, yes, belt.
2: not a paid sponsor. So, we'll
0: have a link down in the description,
2: yeah. No, but I've, I've, uh, suffering from a a tiny waist and and
0: (laughs) constant must
2: be nice
1: (laughs) people just threw stuff at your computer screen yeah yeah
2: yeah i have a a tiny waist and i was so tired of dealing with fucking belts and putting new holes in them and and holes stretching out and and you know i've never had a career where it's just like all right this is day in and day out for the rest of my life and always dealing with belts that were just killing me just irritating me or my pants are falling or it's too tight or it's too loose i was like finally i saw the grip six the grip six belts and i was like i'm gonna give it a shot at first it was like i i hate paying money for clothes because i ruin stuff all the time Mm -hmm. so paying 35 dollars or 40 dollars originally when they first came out like it was like it's an investment to me i don't think about it but it's like i i don't care like i destroy my clothes and uh so the one I'm wearing now is my everyday belt, which I've been wearing for five years straight. And like when they say you can pretty much like it's a lifetime belt, like I will stand behind that with them. I have literally used it as an, an engine hoist. Yeah. I've taken wow. it off because we had a ratchet strap that was broken and we well, needed something else. Nylon belt with. Yeah. So I actually just got this one. This is their work belt. So this is their two inch or uh inch and three quarter. Uh, you want to use the. <sighs> Helena, we can measure it. But that's their <laughs> that's their work belt one. So be gentle. Yeah. Don't scratch it. Please. What's the so what what Great are the
0: uh like the features that they tout with this belt? Like I see you know, it's a super thin buckle, yeah, and a strong there, uh, so you see that there's nothing to, to kind of clasp Yeah, there's no though. holes or uh little what do they call that little thing that goes in the hole? I don't know. Yeah. Like a dent pin, like on uh I don't know if this <laughs> an belt an really impact are spelling stuff. See, so I that's wear, a
2: thirty-two. It should fit. I had to get that one because you know Winter's coming up. Thirty-two, man.
0: I wear a similar kind of belt. I wear a a mountain khaki. So you're go, all right. So got, it's got to go in through the front first. A mountain nope, khaki that I actually got. Nope, no. Nope, through put the, front the belt of the buckle.
2: Put the yeah right there. Put it in through the front. Through, from <laughs> it's the gonna front. look so weird if I come over there on camera inside. get behind him <laughs> like this. Yep, and then pull it. It's it. Listen, it is. A little weird the first few times. But then it's the fastest. And it,
1: it stays behind
2: you? like? Oh, geez. Like, there's no coming loose. So how do you get it undone? It's like a real quick flip. Just pull it.
1: Oh, I see. It's not that hard. Oh, yeah, no it's
2: very deterring for huh. the women involved in your life, though. Oh, yeah. They're, it doesn't it's... take much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's like, how the hell do you get the belt off? It's, it's kind of like a safety oh, device. It's like a payback, yeah. <laughs> payback for all those uh, those bras. But li- any any kind of adjustment as long as it fits around your waist that's pretty cool. You know it's 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 the fastest most convenient most comfortable belt I've ever worn. Like
1: because this nylon thing like I have a one that I got from I think uh Duluth I want to say. It looks
0: like pretty yeah. supple. So and I mean,
1: it's it's really cuts into my side yeah, like when is, I sit down. This is
2: one I've had for 5 years.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I recognize that one. Yeah, that's got oh, paint yeah. on, it got stain on Well, they we're got... showing off belts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is that? pretty similar. So this is a mountain khaki that I got. Actually, John Peters had a giveaway on his channel like, a couple years ago. I won that. Oh. Okay. Um, See,
2: let's compare buckle size though. How that's like? Does eight, yours go eight, eight, in the front? Yeah, yeah. No.
0: This is a. Thi- it's definitely thicker. And <laughs> no, this goes like the regular way. No. Uh. No. Not that way. Like a regular belt. Yeah. Where you pull it back to the opposite direction and then those teeth yes. kind of bite in like that you could see look I oh don't it know. has teeth
2: on it too yeah yeah see like this doesn't has nothing and it and i think what's deterring to some people is that it goes on the inside of the belt loop mm-hmm. so there are some times like i purposely bought that one long because that's my work belt now being that so like
0: get a little more
2: yeah and if like like today like i had to wear multiple sweatshirts so it's like it's nice and easy to like just put it on and off and it is comfortable outside? Yeah, it felt like it. I'd rather be working outside, but uh, like I was a real big fan of your Occidental belt. Yeah, but it's like me being so bony; it's like having all that meat on me. I was like, I, I just, I don't know. So I dealt with like so many different like Home Depot and Lowe's belts mm-hmm. and all those padded belts. I'm like I'm so tired of this. And then I got this belt and use it as an everyday belt. And then I was like, I need something a little bit wider. And I'm tired of using. This through the belt loop. So I just throw that over top of whatever I'm wearing with, oh, you with know, like with my pouch sweater. and stuff. And, yeah. and nine times out of ten, I'm, I I have that on and I'll have my drill and my impact just hooked onto the back of it. And I don't feel it on me at whatsoever. And it's just so fast and easy to put on, it, you know. And, and this one for an everyday belt, it's just, it's comfortable. And it sits underneath everything. There's no worrying about what hole you're in or a hole
0: wearing out yeah. and... You know. That's the most important thing is you want to feel like you're not wearing a tool belt. Right? Yeah, That's why I like the apron because, yeah. I mean, I get hot spots on my hips after wearing a... You know, I went and worked with my father-in-law, Jamie, doing some wainscoting a couple weeks ago. And by lunchtime, like, my hips were killing me. Yeah. Because the, the tool belt just digging in. Yeah. That's why I love the overalls.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I Again, it, it really depends on what you're like. No coming. belt. Yeah. Well...
1: I like carrying my tools Running on me. Running
2: free. So many people like. I. You're the same way too. Like we like carrying our tools on us. Yeah. yeah. If I'm, if even if I'm assembling a cabinet, I'll keep my drill impact on me. Keep my workbench clean. Yeah. Neat. You know. You like your neatness too. Yeah. But I have uh, a
0: place for all my stuff in the apron. I still leave stuff all over the place.
2: <laughs> yeah. So if
0: I didn't, ha- I mean, I'd be double screwed.
1: Yeah. I'm like, where's my tape? I wear my apron over my overalls. Yeah.
2: That's an interesting look. I would yeah. have paid to see you going down. Uh, were you guys in Atlantic Highlands when you were walking around with your, <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. Yeah, your walking apron? Around. If you had your
2: Einstein hair, that would have been yeah. a fucking yeah, ticket right I there.
1: I just, the, back back when I had a, a whole head of bushy hair, the best story was I was standing on the street corner in 1978 in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> 1978, some, you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> Some Almost 11 you know,
0: years later I was born
1: <laughs> hair down to you know my backside and about you know 12 inches wide and some guy pulls up to the light in his pickup truck and rolls down his window now me thinking he needs directions mm-hmm. so I walk out into the street and I go yes and he goes hey boy Ain't you afraid of getting arrested? <laughs> and I said, and I was. For what? I had, I had no idea what. He said. I said, What do you mean? For what? And this was his exact words. Just look at you. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs>
2: He thought, he, uh, he thought you were gonna try to sell him some acid or something.
1: No, <laughs> that, that, that was nineteen seventy eight Texas, where if you were a long hair, you had to look bold. See, that ways. hasn't changed though, because like no, you know, I get that. Yeah, look th- at you. There's
0: still there's still people out there with that yeah. Uh, mindset. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, huh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which one is this one? It's a uh, mountain khakis. Oh right. I think they're uh, made in Wyoming. Yeah, which we used to sell at uh, yeah. Eastern Mountain Sports. Oh, so. nice! I actually, my other belt is a Calavera. Yeah, is it is it? a leather Calavera belt. It's a little too uh, thick. I mean, it's thick. It's yeah, like
1: it's a slab, almost
0: a quarter inch thick of leather. Yeah, like so, an everyday belt or a work belt. Yeah, like a, yeah, like a, just a regular belt for your pants.
2: Yeah, I saw that he's making that stuff, but the triple I, nickel. It, it's yeah. just it's too much for me.
0: Yeah, it's you can't wear like a tool belt over top of it. It's too. It gets too bulky. Too, too much. Too much binding involved. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that so yeah.
2: I figured, you know, I've heard you guys talk about your mechanical pencils yeah, and, no, and all choice. the other. Necessities. This is an awesome thing. I'm yeah. inspired to go get one. Yeah. yeah, I've actually I've turned a lot of people onto it because, like I said, just as an everyday belt, like it just pays for itself. Yeah, you, you hear that,
0: Grip Six? You're looking
2: at potential sponsors. Yeah, sponsorship <laughs> opportunity here. I'm gonna buy more because I have to, I not to replace this one, but. You know, as a dress belt. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they have so many different buckle yep. options too. Yep. Like yeah. they have carbon fiber now. You can, you can do, uh, you know, different decals on them, do this, do that. It and does For man. you. Yeah. It's a nice looking. That stamping on the
0: back. What is that? Yeah. Made in USA? Made in the USA. Oh, it's a nice looking boat. And, you know, for guys like me that have like a belly. Yeah. and (laughs) get a little bit of rubbage on that belt buckle this is a nice low profile
2: and it works really well with dicky's pants so i wear dicky's pants a lot and if anyone's listening and wears dicky's pants you know how tight the belt buckles are
0: yeah oh yeah i'm wearing uh, dicky's right now yeah it's god the the space between the loops is so small well that
2: but it's also the belt loop itself is super tiny so it's like trying to get a a belt through there is a process in uh, itself. Mm-hmm. So it's like having something slim and sitting comfortably, I was like, just gotta get that little bit of enjoyment well, in life. Well,
1: there you go. Yeah. Good choice. RIP6.com. Yeah, that's and exactly a USA what it is. made. Yeah. And it's we'll the number six. Put not a, spelled out. Put six. a link yeah. down there in the description. G-R-I-P number six dot com. Thanks a lot, Manny. Yeah. So well, I think that
0: brings us towards yeah. the uh, the that's end it. of the end of the podcast.
1: Number 11 is in the books. Yeah, man. That it feels like one. so many more.
0: And, and less at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully to a lot more.
1: So what what are our closing thoughts?
0: Well, uh, you know, if you want to support the podcast, uh, follow us on Instagram, Green Street Joinery, Facebook, um, YouTube, subscribe. You know, yeah. this if you're listening on, on Spotify, you know, we do put this up as a video uh, on YouTube every week. So I Actually,
2: I complain to Spotify, too, because trying to watch your guys' podcast on a TV, you can't watch it. You can only listen hmm. to it. Hmm. So On like a Spotify app, you're saying? Well, like even on my TV, like I have Spotify right. downloaded to it. It doesn't play on TV. It's only on PC and like tablet or mobile device. Hmm.
0: Spotify, so, you're going to have to explain yourself what's going yeah, on here. Yeah.
2: I, I was like, I was upset about it and I told him about it. I was like, you mean I can't watch a podcast on TV, but I can watch it on my phone? Huh. So... Get that's behind to know. Get in the community and make a comment yeah. to play it on TVs.
0: Yeah, if you've experienced the same thing, reach out to Spotify, because that's uh, we want everybody to be able to listen yeah, so, when they want. Yeah. Uh, and then actually, you know, we had a couple of people reach out and ask about a Patreon, so uh, I went ahead and, and set one up uh, this past week. So really, if you want to support the podcast, you know, we're, we take time out of, you know, production time every week to make this. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to stop. <laughs> working <the> shop down. <laughs> yeah you know yeah we shut the shop down to do yeah. this um you know there's time setup up time in the beginning afterwards editing publishing um you know getting guests and setting everything up so uh you know if you want to help us out and to keep the podcast going check out the patreon we're actually today's going to be the first one we're going to after the podcast we're going to shoot like another 10 15 minutes yeah. and that'll be uploaded to the patreon for patrons only so little uncut raw <laughs> griping um
1: yeah so we name names I didn't, I didn't, yeah, oh, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't sign up for this part we might what? get some
0: some info that that we're not able to disclose here on the regular podcast all those, so.
1: all those people that we allude to yeah yeah i squeal I have, on
0: I no affiliation you know, we'll be giving out government happening. names <laughs> but yeah i mean we thank everybody for tuning in and we're having a lot of fun yeah uh, i mean i love getting the feedback from people um, have people from England and Australia and all over, oh, you know, yeah. telling us how much they love the podcast, and you know, it means a lot. So just hearing
1: people shout out from other countries, I mean, we get a kick at it. We'll be home at night, you know, sitting in our own separate homes in the chairs. You'll get, I'll get a text from Jeff. He'll send me over. Uh, something that somebody sent from Australia or England or something said, Hey man, nice job.
2: I'm super excited about it. I never listened to podcasts. And then, you know, you, I I think you've messaged me or something or like something about a podcast. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? A podcast? Like you guys do so much stuff so quickly. I can never keep up. And you're like, yeah, we're, we're starting a podcast. And I was like, all right. Like, you know, when I'm at work, I listen to music, but I was like, all right, I'll start listening to podcasts. And uh, it's been addictive like i've every wednesday i'm like did he post it yet or i gotta wait till thursday now (laughs) you know
0: yeah everybody be on a lookout around like seven but usually by 7 p.m eastern time is when uh it goes up on like spotify and stuff like that and then thursday thursday morning on youtube typically Oh, okay so that's how it is yeah because you know we we start usually about uh two three o'clock in the afternoon Wrap up. Let's say four thirty-five, and then I have to get it up. You know, yeah. write the description. That kind what of stuff. What time it now? Even yeah. Do you guys have a clock? I night? I don't know. It's but it's dark. It's very yeah. dark. <laughs> it's dark <That's>, uh, <laughs> I Still have a very long night ahead five of me. O'clock. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, check out all those uh, things, Patreon, tell your friends, that's the biggest thing, you know, yeah. if you like the podcast, tell your friends about it. If follow they're, us on Instagram, yeah, they the woodworkers. Yeah,
2: I'm going to have to make a fake Instagram account just to follow you guys. You yeah, I we'll be able Insta- to tag
0: you in the... You yeah, know, yeah I don't have Instagram, so...
1: Yeah. Uh, we appreciate it, we really do. We yeah. have a good time with it, but uh, we really love hearing from people, reading the questions, and just uh you know sharing the time yeah yeah i love it it's yeah. a good thing especially for someone like me and a lot of listeners
2: that are like new to it it's nice to just hear professionals or people who are inspired and it just keeps you inspired so uh, thank you
1: I'll yeah look and, to
0: many and more. you know use this as a resource you have yeah. real questions don't don't feel um like you have a stupid question or if it's yeah. a too novice of a question because um we all started at the bottom <laughs> at yeah the,
1: at the beginning and uh you know you're lucky if you have somebody that'll just give you an yeah. answer to a simple question yep so bring it on
0: yeah i mean i've sent out our uh like pricing template and stuff to a bunch of people mm-hmm. um i was talking That's to a cool. gentleman this morning and he, he said yeah you know you mentioned uh, and i emailed it right over to him yeah. because it's hey no uh, state secret rising tide class. <laughs> raises all ships so <laughs> I the like the, that. the better we all do it's better for everybody so yeah
1: Thanks a lot for coming, Manny. Thanks for having me. It's been a a
2: blast to finally do it. I miss you guys. It's nice seeing you. Yeah.
1: We miss Manny quite a lot. (laughs) You know, but uh, these are some
0: good times that we could share. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back for more. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Message Rich. Tell him (laughs) to feel better. (laughs) Send him the foot jokes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: Definitely going to have to take one of these for home. Oh,
0: man. That was good.